is time to define the idea of love. What are some examples? If we've known each other for years and like being together instead of apart? No! Clearly this is nonsense! What else? Uh, uh staking up a conversation with someone and liking it so much you don't want it to end? Wrong! Empirically proven to be poppycock. Seeing someone once and fixating on that person to the point of obsession, ignoring any and all indications that the attraction is not reciprocated? Aha! Now we have heard something sensible. Next, discuss evading law enforcement. Hey, paisanos, it's the Backcheck Brothers Super Show! We're the Backcheck Brothers, and old school are gay. We're not like the others to get all the faith. Your back left in trouble, you can call us in the double. We're more retro than the others, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Get hooked on the brothers. You're in for a treat, so hang on to your seat. Get ready for adventure from our pieces of sweet From consoles, computers, handhelds, and the others. Listen to our show, you'll be hooked on the brothers. Yeah, yeah. RPG Backtrack, where we talk about computer and console role-playing games from the way back when, right up through yesteryear. Here are your hosts, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome back to the long-awaited return of the RPG Backtrack. This is episode number 179. I am one of two co-hosts. My name is Phil Willis. And this is the one, the only, uh, Mr. Mike Minky. Have we ever noticed, Phil, that you don't seem to have any trouble pronouncing my name? It's just everyone else. What? No, 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 no. See, that's, that's where you're wrong, Mike. You're an awesome guy, and I love you to death. But the reality is that everybody else doesn't understand their name correctly. I'm the only one who gets their name right. You know, you're absolutely right. Next time we have Nathan on here, uh, please explain this in greater depth to him, because I... I think he just is puzzled all the time. You, you have to, you have to enlighten him with your greater understanding of his surname pronunciation. You know, I try, but sometimes the more complicated things in life are just beyond some people's grasp. And yet, if you have the patience to keep trying, then that makes you a really nice guy. <laughs> well, speaking of really nice guys, I have a, we have a really nice lady joining us for the first time on the RPG Backtrack. Let oh, me introduce the one, the only, Relly Kyan. Uh, I think you messed that up, buddy. No, no, totally correct. <laughs> it's it's okay. Uh, Chris on RPG Cast got my name wrong for like a month till he kept calling me Kelly Clarkson, <clears throat> and I. I told him, um, I'm a metalhead, not a pop star. Hmm. Well, and, I mean... You were definitely I mean, he, not the winner of the first American Idol, right? No, no. It's like, if you're going to confuse me for someone, confuse me for Kelly Osbourne. At least I well, kind of have more common in common with her. Well, 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 clearly he was wrong, because your real name is Relly Kyan. So, Relly, welcome to the show. And uh, uh, you know, we have a tradition here at the RPG Backtrack, and it's probably been... 
uh, hot calendar year since we've actually got to enact this on someone on the show, partially because we haven't done a show in a while. Uh, and that is the part, this is the part where we ask you questions so that people get to know who you are. Haha. So what is okay. your handle on RP Gamer and what do you do? My handle is Redrock963, and I'm pretty much a podcaster for right now, and I also did the artwork for RPG Cast currently. Ah! Yes, that cute little Dragon Quest slime. I kind of do a double take every time I see it in my podcast feed. There you go. What the... Hey, you can make us a new look. Anyways, what? Uh, why don't you tell? Why don't you tell us a little bit about your gaming history? It's kind of like an interview, but it's for a video game podcast. So instead of your work history, you want to know about your gaming history? Well, you could say I've been gaming since before the womb, because um, supposedly the night my mom was gonna, before my mom was gonna actually give birth to me, she played in television all night to kind of calm herself down and you know, not worry so much about the contractions. And I still have that in television and my game collection. It's kind of a family heirloom now to me because of that history with it. And from there, I played, did a lot of gaming on uh, Commodore 64. And then I got my first Nintendo at about 1989. And it was just all downhill from there. I was hooked pretty much after that. Cool, cool. And uh, what's your favorite uh, type of RPG? I, I like a little bit of everything. Um, turn-based, tactical. I, dab- I don't dabble much into Western RPGs, but um, Breath of the Wild kind of changed that a little bit. I really want to pick up Skyrim on the Switch and you know be able to play that on the go. So that's going to be kind of me dipping my toe into Western RPGs. But, I mean... The turn-based ones are my absolute favorite. It's what I like to relax with the most. And um, gun to my head, my favorite game of all time is Shining Force 2. Oh, what well, behind that? Well, you know that's that's kind of our our next question. But before you actually lock in that answer you just gave, and maybe you also you know you also have a phone a friend option just to let you know, <laughs> uh, because this question, no pressure, determines whether or not we just kick you off the podcast. Okay? Uh, not like there's only one right answer here, but there is only one. What is your favorite RPG of well, all time? Well, no, fi- no Let, Phil, let's... Let's, how about there are several wrong answers? Let's oh, yeah, there's definitely some wrong answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, totally <clears throat> some wrong ones. Just no pressure, though. None whatsoever. Well, it, it really is a toss-up between Shining Force 2 and Final Fantasy 6. Okay, all right, she I... gets to stay, Mike. She gets to stay. You heard that, right? Okay, see, that those was were, close. Those were correct answers. Those were correct answers, right? Just because there's one slip of the tongue, this one guy said "Final Fantasy VI," and he got disconnected right there. I don't know what the rest of what he said was, but clearly the the computer thought he was wrong. It wasn't me? It was the computer. What? Just don't know what happened there. It was a gremlin oh. in the interwebs. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad I didn't say something like Shining Force Neo or, I don't know, what's one of the bad Final Fantasies? <laughs> Who would ever 13? say Shining, Shining Force, Force Neo? Neo. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be that person and I'll show you someone who needs to play something else. <laughs> Anything else, <laughs> just about. Uh, full disclosure, I actually didn't hate that game. Uh, I understand why diehard Shining fans don't like it, but I didn't hate it either. It was just 
it was a thing. But I also really like Diablo-style loot games, too, so... But would you ever say Shining Force Neo is the greatest, best RPG I've ever played? Oh, hell no. Okay. Hell no. I mean, you know, if you have nothing else to play, you can do worse than that, but you can do better than that, too. Yeah, I managed to finish it, but I I don't look back on it as a fun time. <laughs> uh, anyways, correct answers, um, Relly. So you get to stay on the show, so that's awesome. Because otherwise, Mike was going to have to carry this whole thing by himself, I swear. Because uh, I'm drinking. But yes, it's the return of RPG Backtrack once again. I, I know we keep taking these hiatuses, and we'll talk about more of that in the final lap, I'm sure. But it's the return of that. It's the return of Elefino Beer. It's the return of Cultcept. I'm so excited. There's so much to talk about. But 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 you know what? We just we, What we do here at the RPG Backtrack is we're going to take a tiny commercial break. And we jump right back into it with the main event. So those people who want to hear about uh, game in juicy, juicy detail, we get right into that. And then for those of you who want to hang on and just chew the fat, we got you covered. So we'll be right back. Welcome back. This is the main event where we just jump into a game or a couple of games and we we dive in and we just cover ourselves in all of its gamey goo, talking about its story, plot, characters, and we completely spoil it for you because that's what we do here at the RPG Backtrack. Today's main event is Lunar 2, a.k.a. Lunar Eternal Blue. Uh, this was developed originally, Game Arts and Studio Alex, released, or published, I should say, in North America by Working Designs. This was released in North America on the Sega CD on September 15, 1995. This is a single-player RPG game experience. Is this the one with the cool video in it with the girl singing? No, you're thinking the first one. Oh, screw this one then. All right, so, uh, yeah. Yeah, that song is still stuck in my head to this day, by the way, so that's the only Lunar that really matters. Um, but, yeah. Know, Phil, this game has some pretty awesome battle themes. But no girls singing? 
Actually, the girl does sing. sing? Did you sing? Yeah, she sings. Oh, see, now I have to go watch videos to see if I played this one before or not. I mean, Sega CD goes so far back. I swear I had one. I swear I played like two games on it. This might have been one of them. Was there a Shining Force game on it? Yes. Yes, there is a Shining Force. Yeah, I probably played that one too. So, but I'm going to let y'all talk because you guys actually remember what the hell you did in 1995 because I sure the hell don't. (laughs) Well, except... I didn't play it in 1995, so no. I played it in 2001, I think. Oh, okay. Well, and and really, you played a later PlayStation version? Yes, I played the PlayStation version. Background Which vocals brought been... to you by my wife, by the way. She's singing to you the real Lunar Game song. So, But anywho, um, Lunar, Lunar, uh, who wants to talk about the a deep story and plot of Lunar Eternal Blue? Well, unlike most RPGs at the time, this one is kind of a direct sequel to the original game. Um, even though it's a thousand years later, but there are still a few characters who are back and swinging. There, there's characters that are back. There's references to the previous game. It really kind of continues the story on from where the previous game left off. Yeah, and yeah, it's very much set in the same world, which is affected by what happened in the first game, and. Especially back in 95, it was one of those sequels that definitely, that I think, surpassed the original. Again, remember, I played the original on the Sega CD, which even Game Arts went back and monkeyed with later because it was... Uh, I don't remember what, working, what Game Arts did at the time, but the Sega CD version was incomplete. And then Silver Star came out as complete. Whereas Eternal Blue, even though it's supposedly complete on the PlayStation, not nearly as much was changed and added for the later rendition. Yeah, when I was doing my research before the show, I was seeing some conflicting stuff about when it takes place. And in the Japanese version, it says like 500 to 600 years after the events of Lunar 1. And then the working designs changed that to 1,000 years after the events of Lunar 1, which I guess somebody at working designs had OCD and just couldn't handle the non-millennial number. Honestly, by working design standard, that's a pretty minor change, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, you're right. It was just interesting seeing that kind of inconsistency that like no one could decide when it take, took place. Considering that there is indeed a character, and yes, this has been out there for a long time, who references Bill Clinton in the translation. Thanks, Working Designs. Hey, I played the PlayStation version. They have uh, Austin Powers references <laughs> in the PlayStation version. Yeah, Those might have aged a little bit better than Bill Clinton, but I don't think we want to go with either. I, I don't want to think about Mike Myers when I'm playing my GARPGs, generally. Do, do you want to think about Regis Philbin? Because there was also a Who Wants to Be a Millionaire reference. <laughs> uh, generally, no. I am just fine not thinking about Regis Philbin most of the time. And I think that's the same for most people now. Yeah, he, he's not like wine. He didn't age well. That That is the big horribly aged working designs reference to the dialogue I remember, but I'm sure there are more. And if I had just played it, then I would be coming up with all the MC hammer or full house or home improvement references that might've been dropped into the text. And they're probably around there somewhere, but at the time, especially back in 95, remember how awful the translations tended to be breath of fire two came out in 95. You're giving me damn flashbacks. (laughs) Sorry, Kelly, but compared to some of the stuff we were getting in 95, this was a good translation. And you no, see, back it, back it, then, 
we had no idea what was and wasn't a good translation because we had nothing to compare it to, really. There was no internet to gripe about it. That's true. And working designs included that nice little thick manual that included, oh, look, here are the changes we made. Here's what we did. Here's all this nice detailed color stuff. Nobody else gave you color manuals at the time, or at least not on print nice embossed paper like this manual. Or the, yeah. or the stories of, here's what we did, here's what we didn't like about the game when it came to us, so we made these tweaks. We hope you like them, but we're not going to conceal that we made them. And nobody else did that then. No, you're right. Manual. I mean, manuals have kind of gone the way of the Dota these days, and even manuals back then seemed kind of minimal. But when you got a good manual, I don't know if you're like me, you brought it to school with you and read it in between right. classes. Wait, 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 Rally and, and Minky, you're completely wrong because I just bought Cult Sept Revolt. Uh, this, this show brought to you by Colsep Revolt, by the way. And I, I got it on my 3DS and it came with a box and it has an instruction booklet. Right, wait. Oh, wait a minute. Whoa. What is this? It's only like two pages, and it's got a bunch of legal disclaimers. What the beep? Amberstan? What the hell? That isn't... That isn't... Ins- what the hell? Motherfucker. You interrupted us for that, Phil? I-, I guess that you got anything as a manual as an improvement over a lot of stuff now, at least. Nah, but but y'all are exactly right. I mean, uh, when I was younger, kid, or you know, young person at working and stuff like that, you're right. You would get a game. I remember getting uh, what was it? I remember when Baldur's Gate first came out, and that thing had a huge instruction book with all the spells in it and everything. And I would take it to work and read it on my lunch break, yeah, and the such. Oh yeah, um, hell, even uh, what was it? Demon. I remember the last big one. I think was Demon. Uh, I almost want to say Demon Gaze, but that's on the Vita. The Demon, the predecessor to all those games everyone's playing these days. Anyway, it's a survival game. Uh, Demon Souls. Demon Souls. Um, and, and the predecessor to all the Dark Souls games. And it came with a huge book. And I read that one on the plane on a business trip. But yeah, they don't they don't really do that anymore. Yeah, unfortunately, that was like the collector's edition only of Demon Souls, and that got pretty hard to find pretty quick, and you kind of needed a man, not necessarily a manual, but you kind of needed a guide for that. <laughs> Unless but. you're just amazingly good at that style of game, which I'm not. I'm not. I think Mr. Apps is, though, but he's not here. Oh, well. All right, the story of Lunar 2. It stars a protagonist named Hero. Subtle. I know. You, you'll never guess what function he per, he plays in the narrative. Can you guess it, it Shopkeeper? Phil? No, I th- although I do remember shopkeepers having that typical nonsensical working design script, but uh, nonsensical in that it usually has absolutely nothing to do with the game. Yeah, and I think he's he's searching for valuables in a ruin of some kind. Ah, so he's a treasure hunter. Yep. Not a thief. Definitely not. After all, how can you steal from people who are dead? Exactly. And along comes a lady who just beams from the moon. Her name is Lucia. Or Lucia? I can never remember how it's pronounced. It's Lucia. Lucia. And Hero takes one look at her, and he is just smitten. And who can blame him? She's wearing a pretty cool outfit when she comes down. Even though it's kind of a creepy, scary outfit, I would be intimidated by that, especially if the lady came from the moon. Well, I guess that's why love at first sight is a thing, because he just overlooks that. And she does have the blue hair, which and the she does not have a very evil face. Yeah, that's true. And Lucia tell, says that, oh 
gosh, I, I need to find the goddess Luna because, well, I should not have awakened this early. The moon is the moon is not supposed to awaken now. I need to find. So she basically did that thing where you're you wake up thirty minutes before your alarm goes back off, and you can't go back to sleep, but you don't want to get up either. That's what it sounds like to me. Kinda. Although if you're if you're waking up three hundred or so years before you're supposed to wake up, that that could be a bigger problem. Yeah, just a little bit. Now, uh, in my research, it says that she was the princess of the Blue Star, but I don't remember the game mentioning anything about that. Neither do I. I just remember her being the guardian or the the watcher over the Blue Star. Yeah, that sort like, of thing. not not a royalty of it. I don't know where that princess thing came came from, but that's what I read. And she's tasked with waking up when the Blue Star is supposed to revive. But she wakes up early because the evil god Zophar is set to return. And you know Zophar is evil because he's coming back and he's big and bad and, well, he's just really evil. Yeah, I I mean, anybody with a name like Zophar, he doesn't sound like he's going to be just all rainbows and flowers. He sounds pretty evil just by that name. Especially once he starts speaking out of the clouds in in a nasty voice saying that he's Definitely, she's going to be absolutely no threat to him, and he... I... <laughs> Lucia, you have no chance to stop me. <laughs> so he kind of sounds like the Emperor from Star Wars. Or maybe that was just your impression. No, I'm not doing the Emperor. Ah, uh, darn. Sorry, I'm, t- I'm trying for a more generic Saturday morning cartoon feel. But yeah, he he sounded pretty stereotypically evil, that's for sure. Again, though, this was 95, and we didn't really ask for much nuance from our villains at that point. No, not particularly. So Lucia's got a mission. Hero's going to help her, because he's Hero. And he starts to find some helpers. Well, he already has a helper. Ruby, the pink size of a cat, floats around, says she's a dragon. Is she a dragon? I'll let you find out, but odds are good. Well, I mean, really, how many cats have wings and can talk? Out of outside of LSD fantasies, not very many. I know that if my cats had wings and could talk, they would probably be pretty destructive and pretty annoying. I mean, even more annoying than they already are, but that's cats for you. It is. And Ruby is definitely a, a level above what you'd expect most flying, talking cats to be. She I actually think, helps out on occasion. Yeah, you know, it's funny. The first game, Null was pretty useless in battle. Ruby is programmed to actually help you take out enemies. Like, if somebody has five hit points left, she'll finish them off for you. I don't remember seeing that right now, but it sounds right. Yeah. It might not have been in the Sega CD version, but I know that that was something that was in the PlayStation version. And let's see. We've got Hero. We've got Ruby. Next, we find... I believe it's Ronfar, isn't it? Yeah, Ronfar is the next guy you find. And Ronfar is definitely not your typical guy in a JRPG because he's the healer. What, he also a has guy things that heals? I know, that's... We can probably count the, the number of guys who heal in JRPGs on one hand. The next thing you'll tell me, there'll be a woman that's a ninja. Well, that's just complete and utter nonsense. You know that, Kelly. Where are you coming up with... Next you'll say that women in Saudi Arabia might be able to drive. That's nonsense. <laughs> Topical. <laughs> I know. I I hope I'm not into, uh, 
causing us any problems among our many Saudi Arabian listeners. Eh. Uh, so yeah, Ronfar, he likes to gamble, and he's a priest who heals. And then you find Jean, who initially is a dancer, but later she undergoes a, a character metamorphosis, coming to grips with the past that she didn't want to acknowledge, and she acknowledges her amazing martial arts abilities. But, but you know, I got, I got to say, Jean doesn't seem like the typical character that's haunted by her past. Like in other games, most other games, they would be very broody. But Jean throughout the entire game seems like that she's just happy with being a dancer and kind of forgetting about her past. It's true. It It only starts to come up when she actually needs the abilities of the martial arts that she left behind. She doesn't obsess over it. Mm-hmm. And I like how they introduced this past to her that, you know, when she is about ready to get eaten by a tentacle monster, and all of a sudden this dancer just goes into a karate move and starts beating the crap out of this tentacle monster, and the rest of the party is like, whoa, what the hell? How? You're amazing! You can you know karate? And she just kind of plays it off like, oh, yeah, everybody, I, I don't know what you're talking about. You didn't see that. I I work for the circus. Everybody in the circus can do that. Yeah, it, it was just a neat little introduction to that aspect of her character, and then later on, when you find out why she knows karate, it's like, oh, okay. But yeah, this was back in the era when people didn't have to to brood about their past for three hours in extended monologues before getting it resolved. And then you meet Lamina, who is your mage, knows that she has the spells that do the damage, and she is a greedy thief who likes to steal everything she possibly can. And is into mega money. She says mega a lot. Yes, she does. Another thing about the Working Designs translation on Sega CD is that it used all capital letters, which makes everybody seem to be screaming a lot. Oh, lovely. (laughs) I don't remember why that is, but uh, it is. It might have just been the font choice, or maybe they didn't have enough space for lowercase letters. I can't tell you. I th- I'm not sure if even Victor Ireland remembers at this point. <laughs> but yeah, you never get a straight answer out of him. That's for sure. But Lamina is surprisingly more likable than Nash, all things considered. Yeah, she never pulls. Uh, she never becomes a traitor the way Nash did. And See, then it gets. I, I, I forgot gets that. Sorry, does Nash betray you in the Sega CD version? Because I don't remember him doing that in the PlayStation version. And now I'm trying to remember which freaking. I played it on Sega CD, and I played Lunar Legend. I de- he definitely betrayed you and joined up with Galleon for a little while in Lunar Legend. I'm trying to remember what the heck he did. He definitely did something in Sega CD, and I can't remember exactly what, because I haven't played that version in 12 years. But he, yeah, he was convinced that if he did it, if he did something super nasty, then uh, Mia would fall into his arms like putty, because that's uh, it works. <laughs> and I hope it's not irritating that we're comparing the characters in the party from the games, but a lot of them are kind of almost a little bit XP's in a way. Like, to me, Ronfar is a more down-to-earth version of Kyle from the first game, and Lamina is kind of Mia and Nash combined into the same person, but with a little bit more of Nash's personality. Jean really seems like the only character that is kind of unique. isn't an, yeah, unique compared to the first game. Yeah, Hero isn't a particularly complex character, but I don't think he really needs to be either. <laughs> nah. Nah, his whole thing is just 
pretty much being in love with the girl and being a hero. He he seems like he doesn't really have a goal like Alex did, where Alex's goal was to be the Dragon Master. Yeah. Hero seems just fine looting the ruins at the beginning, and then when he spots Lucia, uh, he loses all desire to do much of anything else. More or less. But she has a quest, so all right, I will help you with your quest, Lucia, because you are the most beautiful thing that has ever crossed my line of vision, and I cannot stand to say anything that would cause you to be outside of my line of vision. There. I, my paraphrasing of Hero is probably on the nose. Yep. Um, and then he doesn't join you permanently for a long time, except as Mystere. But You need a spanking! <laughs> We definitely have a fifth character who eventually joins once Lucia is no longer there. Leo! The White Knight charged with protecting Althena. And I think he's the closest we come... He's actually got some somewhat complex motivations. Yeah, um, he starts out in the game being very lawful good. He's a bad guy, essentially, that chases you throughout the entirety of the game. And part of the reason why he's chasing you is because he think, or Althena told him that a destroyer was going to show up at the Blue Spire. And he thinks Lucia is the destroyer. Yeah, and he is a servant of Althena. He, he kind of has to do what Althena tells him. More or less, just lawful good to the extreme. However, he is also not an idiot. And eventually he starts to have it rubbed in his face that things are just not going the way they should be if Althena knew what she was talking about. But he can't, all, he can't support you in the open either, so he finds a Mardi Gras mask and calls himself Mystere. And nobody buys it. And everyone calls him on it, but he does not openly acknowledge it so that the pretense is saved. He even does that little Superman thing. It's like, oh, Mystere just walked by, or just left the room. I know exactly why he's doing it. It works within the game. It's funny. Once you see the scene, you'll probably go, I'm glad I saw that, because it's pretty entertaining. Yeah, and that, that particular moment in the game comes after some pretty hard stuff went down, so it was kind of nice to get a little moment of le- levity after that mood whiplash. Yeah. Once you see, well, as as Ruby observes, when you get to the holy city of Althena and you're hearing something, an organ that sounds as if Lon Chaney is playing it, you you know you're not in for a great time. No, no, churches are never good in most Japanese RPGs. I've found they t- tend to crap on the religion pretty bad, and this game is no exception. At least that's how it seemed like in 32-bit RPGs. I don't think it's improved much, but that's another day. Yeah, that's another discussion. Now, I guess we should mention the other servants of Althena. The one I'm immediately thinking of is Borgen. Partly because he was such an enormous pain to fight, but also because uh, he's not very pleasant to see. Yeah, and the game fakes you out with his bromide. Pretty bad. Yep. Hope you hope got some eye bleach handy after seeing that. But if if his mission was to pre- present an antagonist you would be eager to kill, he does that. Oh, yeah. All right, now I can't remember the former master of Gene, who is the... Um, Lun, the Blue Dragon Fist, uh, the Blue Dragon Dogo... Crap, I can't remember the name of it now. But that's it, yeah. And 
You fight Lun, not as a group, but Gene has to duel him. Which, has there ever been a one-on-one duel in an RPG that wasn't annoying? Right now I'm thinking of something from Tengai Makyo Zero where a guy kept healing himself in a duel. That was a real pain. I mean, luckily you can kind of cheese that fight a little bit by using Gene's decoy move. Well, I remember that one game on the Super Nintendo with the one-on-one fights I really liked. Uh, That was a deep one. Uh, What was it called? Uh, Street Street Fighter 2. That was awesome. Oh, oh, wait, that was in an RPG. I'm going to go back to drinking now. Are you talking about Street Fighter 2 or Street Fighter 2 Turbo? Oh, or, I was Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2. No. Super, I think I was a Super, but not Turbo. Well, yeah, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo never came out on Super Nintendo. Yeah. I think it's getting derailed. Very derailed. <laughs> um, Mari? Yes, Mari. She was Leo's sister, as I recall. Yeah, Ron, and... Ron Farr Ron, had the hots for her. Ron Farr's waifu. Oh, yes. Didn't remember it went that far. Yeah, um, she was afflicted with a disease when and when Broadfire tried to cure her. It changed her personality into wickedness and cruelty. And that's pretty much why Ronfar is kind of a drunk now because he thinks that he failed the only person that he loved and his best friend. It's a simple motivation, and really, that's all it needs to be. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I can think a guy falling down the skids and drinking himself into oblivion because his wife has become a completely different person. That's believable. It's almost kind of an allegory for Alzheimer's in a way, if you want to read really deep into it. Uh, that's, yeah, That let's not go there. That's a very unpleasant subject. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, but you do I go into... I my grandfather right now. Oh, my bad. You do no, go into a, a dungeon where you go into Mari's subconscious to save her, though. Yeah, and you don't fight her. You fight the evil things that are within her subconscious. And once you kill them off, then she improves. And you can also get a bromide of hers that, uh, where she's just like mysterious. And <laughs> poor Ronfar's like, why, why do I indulge this? I don't know, Ronfar. It's it's a mystery. Hey, it could it's be because, pretty it's geeky, because man. game arts could. It's because game arts had to come up with something else to throw into the game to entice certain people who like that sort of image. Ooh. And uh, speaking of enticing, one of the main themes of this game is this kind of alien woman, Lucia, basically kind of learning how to be human. Um, You know, she starts out not knowing anything about the world around her, and they kind of go into that with that that first bathhouse scene where she walks into the men's bathhouse and doesn't understand why she needs to go into the woman's bathhouse. And then I later don't remember on, that scene in the Sega CD. Yeah, I that got, was a PlayStation 1, I imagine. There's the scene where Lamina and Jean are helping her to choose her new outfit because what she's wearing when she comes down from the Blue Star is pretty dang recognizable and not inconspicuous. Uh, so a, a My Fair Lucia scene. And of course... Hero and Ronfar are around so that we can have hijinks. Oh, there's a lady changing. <laughs> and Everybody they get punched those. to the moon. Yes, they do. I believe I believe Lamina was, the, and Jean took turns doing it. And poor Lucia doesn't understand why they're mad at him. Or mad at both of them. When you're stuck on the blue star for thousands of years, this kind of social nicety will be a mystery. 
But the end of the bathhouse scene the first time is also hilarious because, of course, Ruby's got a crush on Hero, and she gets mad that Hero can't look away. So she scratches up Hero's face to get him to look away, and in the next scene, he has a unique character portrait where his face is scratched to hell and back. Yeah, that's definitely not in the Sega CD. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's a really hilarious scene. Of course, I, I'm weird. Bath Bathhouse scenes in anime and video games, no matter the context, always crack me up. And it's one of those things where I know it's coming, I know someone's going to get punched or hit or something, but it still cracks me up. And then later on in the game, after you know, you've know you kind of gone through your journey with Lucia, Hero walks in on her again bathing in a river, and she screams and is ashamed, which is supposed to kind of tell you that, okay, she's kind of learning how to be human now. And that all kind of, that all really ties into at the end of the game when she is trying to basically save humanity from so far. Yeah. And there's a tie in with the gameplay, but we'll get into that when we talk about the gameplay, because there's one character among the antagonists we haven't mentioned yet. The guy who was also in the first Lunar. Good old. Oh, I thought that he was going to say hell no. Well, in the Sega CD version, he actually walks in and says, who else could have come up with this but a god who loves plot twist? <laughs> See, in the PlayStation version, um, Galleon is narrating the opening crawl. And it's the same voice actor, so you kind of know it's him. So it's going to be like, okay, well, he's going to show up later. Yeah, that is not in the Sega CD. He shows up and... Well, I don't think Working Designs would have included the plot twist bit if it was not supposed to be a surprise. Yeah, no, I mean, if you bought the collector's or the special edition of the PlayStation game, um, they show his silhouette in the manual, and you can tell it's him, and also the little standees that come with the collector's edition have him in it. There is a silhouette in the Sega CD manual of, question mark, who is this mysterious character from the past you'll find out as you play the game but it it wasn't spelled out any further than that and unless you were actually looking for him then you might not recognize his silhouette especially since this was back when artwork was a lot harder to find for games yeah that's true but he's he's actually, I think, more complex in this game than he was in Lunar 1 oh yeah, in in Lunar 1 he was just kind of doing everything for the evils now and that this... he's been brought back by an even more evil, he's kind of thinking, mm, "Did I? was that really the best I could have done? Yeah, he almost seems kind of sorry for what he did. Well, let's see, I think that covers most of the main cast, although Nal does make an appearance again. Yeah, as a 80-year-old boy, or not a, as a teenage boy. Yeah, he might be 18. Yeah, I, I, I misspoke there because I, I thought that he aged... I mean, I know that he ages slower, but I forgot that this is technically thousands of years later, not 80 years later, so I don't know where that came from. But yeah, he's become quite the strapping young lad. And he has charge of a bunch of bandits in the woods. The not-lost boys. No, they know where they are. They're not lost. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, who else is there? Um. Well, there's... Do you want to talk about fake Althena or real Althena? Fake Althena isn't all that much of a... Maybe she's expanded on in the PlayStation version. She's just there, she acts evil, and you have to beat the crap out of her in a boss fight. That's 
I don't remember her having much more than that, except that she was the stand-in and convincing everybody. Althena demands that you do this now and pay pay tithes to her and whatnot. That was still a tense scene when she shows up, though, and Lucia goes, "You're not the real Althena." And I, I remember the first time I played that, and her yell, you know, you have all this tension going up to the scene to begin with, because Leo's been tracking you down the whole game, and Lucia says that, and you're like, do you want to get thrown in jail? Because that's how you get thrown in jail. But you know she's right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, fake Alfina, at a glance, looks kind of like the part, but she wouldn't fool Lucia for a second. No, definitely not. And then there's real Alfina, who is dead. Because as Luna, she found love with Alex and decided to live a normal life with him and die with him. And she's been dead this whole time. Lucia doesn't take it very well. No, she really doesn't. Which again means that she'll have a, a point of growth at the end when she accepts that humanity might in fact be able to take on its own destiny and be worth the sacrifice that Alfina made. And it, it really is kind of a touching moment in that cutscene where you see Goddess Althena, well, Luna, basically Luna, kind of old. And you find out that after the first game that she lived a long, happy life with Alex. And it was just kind of a nice, heartwarming thing if you had played the first game. Which, I don't know, I mean, Luna 2 stands alone pretty well, but it's kind of a bonus if you've played the first game. Yeah, it showed that what looked to be a storybook ending for them really was. Uh, it was. It was very touching, that's for sure, especially with the kind of crap that you went through with <laughs> Luna and Alex in the first game, for sure. And I think that's about it. Yeah, that's all the significant characters I remember. Um, I'm just looking at the standees in my collector's edition. We got Gwen, but he's only playable for like the first part of the game, and he's just your typical RPG grandpa. Oh, yeah, I didn't even remember him. He's, mm-hmm. I, although I think he's in the manual for the Sega CD, too. He's with, with that typical working designs. Glenn is your grandfather, and he's an excellent adventurer in his own right, and he, he'll he be glad to help you out in your starting steps as the, as the new hero or something like that. Yeah. So are we going to talk about the ending? Oh, absolutely. Got to do it. It's a requirement. Well, for, well, we have to talk about the ending, and then we have to talk about the epilogue. Yeah, because this game does a nice little job of faking you. Well, I mean, it's you see the ending, and you wonder, is this going to be it? And then there's like another, like I want to say, five hours of gameplay after the ending. Give and it's take? not New Game Plus. Not even. No, close. it's not. Well, all right, the ending. Uh, Zofar has taken Lucia. Leo joins you because now you're missing a fifth character. You go into Zophar's castle. You fight your way through Zophar's first form, which is a freaky-looking thing. I, it looks oh almost like a Power Rangers villain or something. It, it is so creepy. It's almost kind of unsettling, especially since it's clearly a man, but the lower half looks like a woman with no pants. Yeah, and he's got that weird thing, that crap coming out of his head. Ugh. Certainly uh, anime nightmare fuel. You beat him. I remember Ruby in the Sega CD remarking, well, I didn't think it was that hard. Didn't you think Borgen was harder? Which, <laughs> actually, yeah, Borgen was pretty damn hard. But then, of course, you aren't done. Zophar shows you his true power. 
and smacks you down. You can't do anything against it until Lucia finally awakens to the potential of humanity, stops supplying Zophar with all the power that he needs to be invincible, and then you get into the real fight, which has a pretty damn good final boss theme. You fight. It's not an easy fight, but you can win this time. You beat Zophar. The world is saved, but Lucia has to go back to the Blue Star because that is her duty. She must stay there and monitor monitor the blue star until it is ready to be awoken. So does she say, I must go now. My home planet needs me. I don't remember her using those words. That That's what, that's how I remember it. But I might be remembering a little bit of Simpsons in there. Yeah. You may also be remembering it in PlayStation because I'm sure working designs retranslated it. Yeah. No, that, that was a lame attempt at a joke. I apologize. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of bittersweet that she, you know, basically goes back to the blue star and, erects a barrier between herself and Hero, and he's kind of pounding on it and yelling at yelling that, at her not to go. And she's like, I'm sorry, I have to go. The Blue Star needs me, or something to that effect. And then after she leaves, at least in the PlayStation version, Hero just has this big, Lucia! <laughs> moment, and it's really kind of sad. And then credits roll, and you see kind of all the other characters living happily ever after. And it's like, is this how you're going to end this? And you see Hero continuing to sift through ruins to try and find some way of getting the blue star. Yeah, he even has a little bit of, in, in this PlayStation version, a little bit of a Mega Man 2 ending in a way where you see him kind of walking along this road with the credits rolling and stuff like that. So you think, okay, well, he got over that breakup pretty damn fast. <laughs> and then, of course, we come to the epilogue because it's not really over. Not no. as long as Hero has... A mission. No, it's not. So he reunites the gang. Leo is a pain to find in, in the epilogue. He's in, t- in the middle of a dungeon you probably haven't been in for hours. See, I used guide, so I found everybody. Now, in the Sega CD version, do you get Lucia's pendant? Yes. She okay. leaves it behind when she goes back to the Blue Star. Okay, because she leaves it behind in the PlayStation version, too, and you use that to basically fast travel everywhere, so you don't quite have to walk so much and also you get access to the dragon ship destiny right from the get-go yet still when i first played it i wasn't well used to game facts yet so i was just mm-hmm. blundering around okay, okay ron far gene and lamina i all found i found them pretty easily where the hell is leo nobody ever said anywhere oh leo is on the floor of that dungeon where you first saw galleon all those hours ago he's just hanging out as people do, people like to hang in dungeons, waiting for the weak random monsters to come along so they can kill them easily and think strong thoughts about themselves, I guess. Hey, he's got to get that fat loot somehow. He does. And another cool thing about the PlayStation version is that you get a crystal that lets you collect and view all the cutscenes in the game. Now, this doesn't seem like a cool thing right now, but in 2000 when this was through was 2001 or two, when I was kind of PlayStation obsessed, I lived for watching cutscenes. So being able to see them all at any time was just amazing to me. But you also had to go track them down too. So you had to go to each place where a cutscene triggered in order to view it. And the other annoying thing was that you had to swap discs. Never fun. No, swapping discs is never fun. But man, watching all them cool cutscenes again. That was so cool back in the day. Kids today don't know how good they have it. They can just YouTube this stuff now. 
Yes, they can. Lousy kids. Um, I don't remember the Sega CD having a function like that, although I do remember in Work New Design's fashion, there was an outtakes reel of voice acting that you could find if you got through the epilogue. Yeah, I think that on the PlayStation version, it just rolls after the credits roll again. I'm pretty sure. Anyway, in the epilogue, you get to go into a tower where you were never able to make progress before. You fight a boss that showed up in the early on in the game and then never came back again because, uh, what was he? He's the, he's the guardian of the passage to the Blue Star or something. And you have to you have to beat him then. You have to go fight your own duplicates in another dungeon. Actually, you don't have to fight them, but it's a neat bonus battle if you want to fight that. Then uh-huh. Hero has to duel the Guardian, which I'm glad he had far less hit points when Hero dueled him, because otherwise that would have been nasty. Oh, it sounds nasty. And then, having seen that Hero is indeed determined enough, the Guardian lets him through. Hero goes to the Blue Star, and the last thing you see in the Sega CD version is Lucia waking up as somebody's tapping on her containment vial, and she sees Hero looking down... Which, it was a cute ending. Yeah, they they expanded on that scene a little bit in the PlayStation version because you you see her, you see him tapping on the crystal, and then the credits start to rolling, and you see him and her actually outside of the blue spire, kind of looking out over the ruined land, and she's wearing what well, looks like a burlap sack, so she learned <laughs> modesty at some point. I guess she didn't get to take any of the clothes that she wore on the planet. I, I guess not. It must be like Terminator rules or something where you can't transfer. Bent. Actually, that totally makes sense because when she poofs away before the ending, or the first ending, her pendant drops. And what the heck is Hero wearing? I, I don't know. That That's a good question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lose sleep over this. Why didn't Hero's clothes disappear? Well, we know the practical reason is because then Game Arts animators would have had to, de- to depict a naked hero, and market research showed that would be a bad idea. Yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, because in the beginning of the game, she's looking out on the ruins of the Blue Star, and of course it's snowing, and you know all these howling winds and stuff, and you're thinking, man, isn't she cold? I would be cold. Put a shirt on, lady. I guess they raise them tough on the Blue Star. They have they, to. They must. Uh, uh, that's the only thing I can go. Sorry. <laughs> I think that covers most of the story, except that I, again, in 95, we, we didn't have a whole lot of standards in voice acting yet. And working designs did a pretty good job with the voice acting. There's not a ton of it, but there are more animated scenes than there were in the first Lunar. And for the standards of 1995, they look pretty good. Yeah, they really bumped up the cutscenes in the PlayStation version and gave them more. I mean, obviously they had the technology too, but they gave them more animation, um, more dialogue, better sound. My only complaint about the voice acting in this game is that Lucia just always sounds like she's about ready to burst into tears, and it drives me insane. (laughs) She got that very, I'm so quiet and so quiet. It's like, lady. You can have a little bit of an outdoor voice. It's fine. No one's going to yell at you. And I I realized that the voice actress was probably given the direction to kind of play it very awkward and alien since, you know, she's supposed to – she's never had any contact with any people. But it just came off as very mousy in a way, almost too quiet. 
And given that this was a working design stub, I think, like usual, most of the actors are people who were in the Reading area, not not people you've heard a whole lot of elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, her her voice was the only one that I really had a problem with. Everybody else sounded fine. Even uh, Ruby didn't get on my nerves too much. She had a high-pitched voice, but I don't really have a problem with that when it's a small pink thing. I don't expect deep voices from small pink things. And it's for some reason Null's voice got under my skin more in the previous games than Ruby's did, but maybe Ruby just didn't have as much dialogue. Yeah, maybe it, I don't even remember Null's voice because he didn't talk much on the Sega CD. And then, actually, you know what the problem is? It's because his voice was almost too high pitched, so he sounded too much like a girl, and it really threw me off. I th- maybe they should have like had him. I don't know. Have him sound a little bit more like Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks, so it still sounded male but high pitched. I don't know. That could have been annoying too. I don't know what I'm talking about. I don't remember it well enough. He didn't talk enough in the Sega CD for it to stick in my mind. Sorry. Yeah, that's, no, that's okay. I guess that takes us to the point of where we can talk about fighting, which is what will probably bring Phil back. Should we nudge him to wake him up? Fight, 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 fight. I said that no, he, for earlier, but it was on mute. It didn't quite uh, work as well. No, I mean, the battle system really isn't that much different from the first game. The most noticeable thing is that it ditches the Dragon Quest-style inventory system in favor of just having a universal one, so you don't have to equip people with items anymore. There still was some of that in the Sega CD, although you had a lot more room than you did in the first game. But yeah, you move around, there's, there's a... There's a space component to it. You have to run over around the field in order to kill things or be using a ranged weapon. Yeah. Um, and you really, there's really is a lot of strategy to it, too. Like, I was seeing that people were, um, like, using Jean as a tank where they put her in the front row and then put everybody else in the back and was just having her use Doppel Dance and soaking up hits while the rest of the party was hitting them with ranged attacks. And that that seemed pretty genius. There's an from symbol, or you will be very, very pained. And also, before Leo joins you, Lucia is a character, but you don't get to control her. She just kind of runs around and does whatever the heck she feels like, which might involve killing everything with a super powerful spell that you won't be able to use for hours, or it might be running and hiding in a corner. Well, the first part of the game, it's mostly running and hiding in a corner, which is annoying. It is. Especially when she uh, takes some of the experience that everybody gets at the end of the battle, but I can't even tell if she's gaining levels. <laughs> Thanks, Lucia. Yeah, and at the beginning of the game, if you, when you're with uh, Hero and Gwen and the Bruins, if you get her to level 14, or if you get Hero to level 14, she does this screen nuke that, while it kills everything, doesn't get you any experience, so you can't just level grind in the ruins for hours on end, which to me is kind of genius, because, you know, you give me that opportunity, I'll sure exploit it. I do remember that. She uses the spell that kills everything, but gives you nothing, which Mm -hmm. is kind of bugged me when she Mm -hmm. did it. Yeah, having an AI-controlled character is always kind of annoying to me, especially if you're trying to do stuff like steal, because, you know, she'll... just killed whoever you're trying to steal from before they get the steal off, which is never fun. No, no, it isn't. 
And let's see. This mechanic, you get... Um, I forget what they called them, but it's some kind of magic currency you get after every battle that you need to store up and buy into in order to increase your magic abilities. Or, or all of your abilities come to that. Oh, I read about that. And don't you have to use that magic experience to save? You do. That was a special note Victor Ireland made in the Sega CD manual. That he'd, They'd always been wanting to do something like this. Now, with this magic experience stuff, we finally have a chance. You have to pay it in order to save. But its I never found it that big of a problem. One battle tends to give you plenty to save with. And the amount is based strictly on hero's level. It's just whatever hero's level is times 15, I think. And in any given battle, you will be earning that. It's kind of annoying if you're thinking, why the hell should I have to pay to save? But it never bothered me. Okay. I wasn't sure how annoying that mechanic was. I read about it, and nothing makes me angrier in a game than when they limit your capability to continue the game. Best example being Ink Ribbons and Resident Evil. I, I hate those. Yeah, again, you get enough points that it's never an issue, or it was never an issue for me. Maybe okay. if you're constantly running from fights and have very little to spare, then it will be more of an issue. But but I, l- I luckily, luckily, that's completely gone in the PlayStation version. You don't have to worry about it at all. You learn all of your spells automatically, and um, unlike the first game, in this game, some of the spells even upgrade to more powerful versions of them as you level up throughout the game, which is kind of neat. Yeah, I, I don't remember that at all in the second CD. And you also get can find crests in the game that you can equip that uh, lets you have magic abilities that you normally couldn't get on characters otherwise. So like a fire crest has a whole bunch of fire spells that you can put on whoever, and that kind of lets you customize your characters as well. That sounds vaguely familiar, but honestly, like, not familiar enough to where I can come up with any specifics about it. Yeah. I mean, they basically work just like relic slots or accessory slots or whatever, but I think you can equip up to two of them. And not all of them are magic. Like, some of them help increase your attack. Some of them help increase your speed, which you kind of want to be strategic about which ones you equip where. Like, I know that you can, if you get two of the Shiro quests, or Shiro crests, you can increase the character's speed pretty well. And if you put two of those on Lamia, then she can actually get spells off for things have to have to move on the battle screen because otherwise she's the slowest character in the game. So if you try to hit something with an AoE, everything else will move by the time her turn gets off. Well, you can kind of compensate for a character's weaknesses with some of those crests too, which is kind of nice. Definitely. Sorry, I'm trying to see if I wrote anything in the review I did on Lyra 2 about any crests, but I'm not coming up with any. Looking it up reminds me, of course, of our a contributor to our site who is gone now, who was just absolutely livid at the very idea that Working Designs would implement that mechanic of making him pay to save. That, that user... Uh, You'd have to go back, Kelly, and you probably don't want to. He's really not that much fun to talk about. Oh, I'm sorry. Relly, with an R. R-E-L-L something. Relly. No, no, it's Kel with a K. Trust me, I know my own name. Well, Phil is saying that you don't. Phil is saying that he knows better. Uh, 
I've got a driver's license and paperwork <laughs> that says otherwise. Phil, it's up to you to convince all of these state agencies that they have been wrong. Doesn't sound like he's up to taking the challenge. Well. Forged documents. I got a color printer. All right, there, there's our explanation. Yeah, I mean, one more thing about the battle system I forgot to mention. I like that the enemies have towels so that you can kind of deal with what's going to be coming up. Like if you see that some uh, monster is glowing, that you can tell that they're going to have a magic attack coming up so that you know the deal with them quicker than some of the other monsters that are just standing there kind of in their idle positions. And a lot of the boss fights, or actually all of the boss fights are like that too. And it's really nice to kind of be able to anticipate what they're going to do so that you can react to it accordingly. Definitely. That thing with this final Zophar fight I mentioned, that is absolutely a big one. Uh, I can't remember what the tells are, but I know Borgen had things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it, it's, always, it's always annoying trying to anticipate that stuff in other turn-based RPGs. Like, I'm playing Monster Hunter Stories right now, and the whole battle system is based around rock, paper, scissors, where you have to figure out the pattern and stuff like that. And of course these the monsters in this don't have any tells. You just kinda gotta get a couple of turns and get a feel for what they're gonna do versus this game where you always know exactly what they're gonna do and you can be ready for it or ignore it and just see what happens. I'm remembering another one now. The the guardian that tries to stop you from getting to the blue star. He'll do this thing where he spins his sword in front of him and that is your cue to just focus on buffing and healing. Because nothing will get through when he's spinning that. I remember Zophar having a disco, holding a disco ball in his hand, and when he holds the disco ball, that you're in for some pain. Yeah, that's his cue to use the big, uh, nasty. He throws it into the sky, and it shoots star, shoots beams out of it that hit everybody. That I remember. And also, if you see a shadowy spot on your, uh, below your character on the ground, then it's time to run. Move your butt. Yes. I guess Lunar 2 doesn't have quite the pull of Lunar 1, though, or else we would have seen more remakes come out in the last 15 years, and we really haven't. Yeah, I know. It annoys me greatly that Lunar 1 has gotten pretty much all of the remakes, but you haven't heard squat from Lunar 2 except for the PlayStation version, and that's kind of sad because, well, I think Lunar 1 is a better game story-wise. I think this is a better game mechanics-wise. Yeah, I remember we've just talked about some of the mechanics. I don't remember them there being a whole lot of tells in the original Lunar. That's probably different in Silver Star Complete, but definitely on Sega CD there wasn't much. It was also a shorter game. Again, I think that's been fixed for Complete, but Lunar 2 just felt like a very a very well-paced, well-put-together title that never got old in any real way. It felt like exactly the right length and I replayed it several times over the years because it was just enough fun that I had, even though I knew exactly what I was in for, I knew I was going to enjoy it again. Yeah, I remember getting this game for my birthday when it came out in the early 2000s and playing through it. And it's like, man, I am really enjoying this game. It is just a, a fun little romp. I love these characters. Gr- granted, I think Hero was kind of a bland protagonist compared to Alex, but the rest of the party has a lot of development and a lot of 
stuff that you really feel for them, especially Jean. Jean just broke my heart. And I, I think this is one of Noriyuki Iwadare's better scores because there are a ton of memorable tunes throughout. Yeah, um, white white mask funk. <laughs> that that always makes me think of a Mardi Gras mask being worn by Mystere. <laughs> and so, I yeah. liked I liked the theme when you first meet Jean at the around the campfire. That sort of gypsyish dance tune. See, so, yeah, I like um, Wine Woman and Song Ron Farce theme. It's got a very bluesy sound to it. I've got the soundtrack right here, if you can't tell. I really like the Tubbins Peak theme with the kids singing. And it's it's pretty much full of winners. I mentioned mm-hmm. that the final boss theme is great, which it is. And yet, people don't kind of sing the soundtrack's praises as much as the first game, and I think that has to do with that boat song. Everybody remembers the boat song more than this entire soundtrack. And I don't because it wasn't in the Sega CD version of Lunar Silver Star. <laughs> I think the problem was that not everybody had a Sega CD. I know, I know. I got a Sega CD. Unfortunately. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I got a Sega CD too, but at that time, both of these games were really expensive. And I was like, what, 12 or 13 years old, so I, could, I couldn't afford them. And my parents certainly weren't going to buy them for me. <laughs> yeah, I I can't really say now that, well, we'll get into this when we do the pricing, but... Yeah, I, I was going to say, Phil, the, this game has got to have gotten cheaper, hasn't it? Can I buy it on a PlayStation Network store? Uh, that would be a negatory. Uh-oh. Phil, That's it's ne- a working designs release. Victor Ireland has to be in the right mood to clear it. So... Aww. That'll probably be another 10 years from now. Well, you can buy a used one off of Amazon for the low, low price of $180. At the PlayStation or the Sega CD? Uh, that looks like the um, PlayStation. Yeah, the last time I was at a used game shop, I saw the Sega CD version for $140, and I wanted to cry. Because I just bought the Sega CD version of Lunar 1 for $80. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. And, and, and $80 is kind of a steal for that first game, because that's it's going great. It's like in the 100s. Again, well, found, we are talking um, about working design stuff. I found one on eBay for $90. They, 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 for the PlayStation. Uh, this is insane. And, and by the way, Mike... Half.com is closed. What? I used Half.com all the time for price checks for our show, but, uh, you know, it was, uh, you know, it had gotten bought bought out by, I think, by eBay a while back, and now they've just decided to cannibalize it and now redirect you to eBay. eBay years ago. I don't know yeah. what changed. Well, they decided, you know, we're tired of two different websites. We're tired of a website that's actually organized and easy to look up prices. We're going to put it on eBay where you have to, like, use filters and shit and stuff because yeah anyways i helped you out phil this is the site i use uh but yeah i'm seeing a lot of hundred dollars on there current historic prices for games Mm -mm -mm. again it's a working designs release especially for the sega cd one if you want it complete it has to come in that big case which got the big case those things don't preserve well you have they were pretty Oh no, they crack a lot and they look always get scratched up and stuff. 
Yeah, but and they, I already I had several problems with those where one of the hinges would break because they that's a lot of plastic that's very thin. Yeah, uh, it was easy to break. A lot of eBayers don't like shipping them because they cost a lot to ship and have a chance to break as well. I know I had that problem when I bought my Shining Force CD. You definitely need to get Shining Force 3. Oh, I have Shining Force 3. Okay, high five. The, the American version, not the Japanese versions yet. Well, when, once you've played through Shining Force 3, you, Scenario 1, you will probably say, I have to see the rest of it. Mm. Oh, I've got the fan translations. I just haven't had time to carve out the plan because those games are long. Um, Did we talk about the special edition on the PlayStation? Not so much. Um, the special edition comes Especially with, with all the packaging, yeah. Yeah. The special edition comes with a paper map and little standees, you know, if you want to have a lunar tabletop game for some strange reason. They're kind of cute, though. Phil, and, I think we just found a variant for Pathfinder. Woohoo! And three, the game on three discs, the soundtrack, the hardcover manual with the ribbon, and the metallic... What is that? Page covering on the side? I don't know what that's called. Neither do I. I'd oh, have well. to look at it. And uh, the pendant, which I actually wore the pendant around my college for a while just because I thought it was a cute pendant. And then later on thought, you know, I am terrible with jewelry. I'm going to lose this thing. I am putting it back in its box never to have it again or never to wear it again. And I'm glad I did because now I've seen that pendant go for $45 on its own. And the other interesting thing about this special edition is that on the case with the soundtrack, it has a little spot on the other side that they say is a storage area for your demo of Lunar 2 that comes with Vanguard Bandits. Now, that because of this demo disc, trying to find a complete copy of Vanguard Bandits with this demo disc is impossible. Because everybody that got it ended up putting their demo of Lunar 2 into their copy of Lunar 2. I have to check the copy of Vanguard Bandits that Sam lent me and see if it's in there. I don't even remember. Yeah. And, and of course, when, when I got my copy of Vanguard Bandits, I put my copy of it there just because it's like, <laughs> okay, I just completed the Horcrux. Darn you working designs. But I'm also sad that it didn't come with a cloth map, but then again, I've heard people say that cloth maps get lost so easily. I haven't dealt with enough to have a stance on it. Phil probably oh. has. I I know that I've always wanted to sew a quilt out of cloth maps, but that would take a lot of cloth maps. It would, and it would probably be one of the most expensive quilts ever made. Yes, indeed. Oh, and I forgot to mention one of the other things this game came, came with, if you pre-ordered it back in the day, it was a galleon punch puppet. <laughs> And supposedly for the PC release of one of the Lunar games, there was going to be an Alex one, but that one got canceled. And the only Alex punch puppets that exist belong to Victor Island now, and that makes me sad. Yeah, I he won't be including them as bonuses with any summon night, and I don't think he's thought about Lunar seriously in years, which is a shame. Yeah, that's a shame. So my my punch puppet will for will forever be boxing alone. But then again, I've never even taken it out of the box. Though to be fair, I don't think Game Arts has made anything that wasn't a web browser game in a decade or so. Um, I think they did make a, they did make a DS game. 
is it the one that's ha- that has the DS initials? Yeah. Uh, so let's wrap up Lunar 2 before we get to that. Yeah. <laughs> when you're going far down the Lunar rabbit hole. Because I-, I need to get me a stiff drink before I talk about this. You know, I'm all behind. <laughs> I'm all behind a stiff drink. That, that That's good enough for me. Tell me twice it's time to take a break. So uh, we're going to play some Lunar music because that's what we do. Assuming that there's some there's music to this, right? There's some music somewhere. I'm yes, sure there is. Yes, there is music. <laughs> Mike, Mike will find me some music, uh, and we're gonna be right back in about as much time as it takes us to get a stiff drink. Stand by. have returned and uh, we want to talk about lunar dragon song developed by japan art media published in north america by ubisoft there's a marriage made in heaven uh or hell uh released in north america on september 27 2005 another single player rpg experience this time for your nintendo ds handheld system uh let, let's start with ubisoft as the localizer because kelly Refresh my memory. I may be re- not remembering something. Do you recall the translation being at all pleasant or interesting to read? No, not at all. It was like reading a movie script, a, a bad movie script. Yeah, that's about right. And I, I say that because the, all of the dialogue was on the bottom screen and all of the action was on the top screen, which sounded like a good idea at the time until you realize that you're just reading a movie script with some pretty pictures that move on occasion. Yeah, and Ubisoft's translation did it no favors because it was also a pretty boring movie script. Yeah, yeah, that put me to sleep, man. So, all right, we have as our lead 
Jian. Jian. Jin. I, I don't know. J-I-A-N. Pronounce it however the heck you want. It's, there's no voice acting, so I can't tell. He's an errand boy for Gads Express, which is the UPS, the FedEx, the U.S. Postal Service of Lunar. He has a friend, Lucia. Wait, the people. same Lucia we just talked about? Uh, yeah, this this is supposed to be a thousand years before Silver Star, and this Lucia has pink hair and looks kind of like Sarah from Fire Emblem, the first English one. But, uh, yeah, that, uh, no, wait, actually, she should have been called Luna. Oh, I'm oh. sorry, did I spoil it? Oh, wah, wait a minute, wah. wait a minute, she's Althena? Y- you know what this game sounds like? You know that meme, can I copy your homework? Yeah, just change it up a bit so it doesn't look obvious you copied. That sounds like this game. I can't imagine why you would say that. Well, I don't know. I mean, the fact that you start out as a, as a boy from a small town who has a best friend named Lucia, and you get caught up in a grand adventure, and she gets kidnapped halfway through, and she's got strange powers and can use Althena magic, and after she gets captured, you go and you do a whole bunch of dragon trials to become the dragon master to beat the bad guy. That doesn't sound at all like what we already there were, played. There were dragon trials? I forgot about them. I do remember the conclusion, though, which shows us that Silver Star was not the first time Luna Alfina knew love. No, she knew it in this game's storyline, too. I guess everyone just forgot about it, and she learned. I guess she and Jian just fell out of love, so she became a goddess again in order to become Luna later on. That's what. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I don't think the writers paid any more attention than I am to it. Yeah, I mean, I tried to do some research, and the Lunar Wiki doesn't even have an article about it. There's a few Let's Plays that I tried to watch, and they were just so boring. It's like, I am not... Like, the fastest speedrun is six hours, and I'm like, no, this this is six hours of my life. I'll never get back if I watch it. I would honestly be better off putting on a channel of grass growing than watching this. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> channel of grass growing. <laughs> I, I, I can look at this spider, which I think is moving around on my ceiling, and say, wow, look, look at the movement of that spider. Isn't that interesting to watch? Rather than your dragon song, which, no. I barely Um, remember any plot points from it. I put in my DS card this morning, and I had a save file at the end. Somehow I put 40 hours into this game when it came out, and we'll get into into that in a second. Yes. But I played through to the ending. The final boss was just a joke, and... Oh, but don't you remember the final boss? You fight... The pet of the final boss. Yeah. Nice. And you never fight the final boss, or the fi- the actual bad guy. You kill yeah. his pet, and then he falls off a cliff, or falls off and dies without you getting the satisfaction of killing him. Because that's far more appealing than actually fighting him. <laughs> Isn't it? And supposedly they were setting that up for a sequel that never happened because this game sucked. Oh, and the pet, I remember the third time, it comes back and it's big, which means you get ugly, gigantic polygons on the DS screen. (laughs) See, otherwise, it would have looked like you were fighting the same thing a third time. But when you blow it up with gigantic, ugly polygons, it looks like the same thing, only uglier. And, you know, I... Are you listening, Phil? This is exactly how you want to make a game. You want to have the chief antagonist never be fought by the player, right? 
Well, yeah, that that's that story writing one hundred and one. Everybody knows that. I mean, honestly, th- this game suffers from early DS games so bad that it hurts. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, let's let's keep thrashing the story while we're at it. Once we get into the gameplay, oh, Man. I was just trying to move uh, it along because I mean, I don't remember a bloody thing from the story. Um, let me. Th- okay, you, you join up with a few other characters. I remember that, and I have to reread the review I wrote. There was something about Jian trying to become to prove that humanity is equal to beastmen, which was never a plot point in any subsequent lunar. So I don't know where it came from for this. And yeah, there's a big sequence where he goes to the beastmen land and uh, does a whole bunch of crap, and eventually. And supposedly yeah. this game is supposed to go into the details of, like, who the vile tribe were supposed to be and how that tied into the first game, but I couldn't find any information on that. I think the Beastmen became the vile tribe. See how confident I am because it lodged itself in my brain so well? Yeah. This, this Which, of course, dumb. means that his mission to uh, bring equality between humans and beastmen paid off when the beastmen turned into the vile tribe. Uh, you sound I, so sure of yourself. Well, yeah, I'm I'm dealing with a very strong narrative with such clear tangents and thrust that everyone who's played it remembers every salient point like it happened to them instead of characters in a game. Wait, I'm thinking of something else. But you're thinking yeah, of the good in our games. Yeah, I'm doing that again. That's that's the problem when you name it Lunar. There are certain expectations when it goes into this series, and once you actually play it, you realize, oh, this is why we haven't seen a new Lunar game in 12 years, unless you count the remake on PSP. Yeah. Yeah, and it was pretty much the nail, for, nail in the coffin for the series going forward. It's just too damn bad, but if this is the best that Game Arts could throw out, it makes sense. Yes, it does. All right, Phil. Are you ready it's to dead, hear about Jim. Phil, are you ready to hear about some amazing gameplay innovations that Lunar Dragon Song provided? Well, yeah, because you know what? I mean, at the end of the day, I hear a bunch of belly aching, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, come on, guys. Okay, we're, we're RP gamers, and we're not just RP gamers, we're retro RP gamers, which means... On our driver's license somewhere, it says, we don't care about graphics. We just care about the gameplay. Well, let me tell you about this gameplay, son. It sucks. Get out. You're just not old school enough. Phil, you remember back in the days when you just hit attack and you couldn't target your enemies? The game did it for you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like Final Fantasy 1. I don't think even Final Fantasy One did that. I no, think Final like, Fantasy One would let you like, pick do, a target. I don't get like like picture like well okay maybe you could pick one but like he would die and then the other ones would hit miss. Oh yeah, so you're right. You could hit yeah yeah even Final Fantasy One let you do that. Yep. Huh. And Dragon Quest One doesn't count because there was always only one enemy. <laughs> yeah, one little guy. But no, in front th- of this is a game where the game itself decides. You know what? Screw you. You were about to kill that enemy. I'm not going to hit it 
because I don't feel like it. It's going to sit oh, there oh. with 5 HP and keep whacking you for the next turn. Oh, oh, Dragon Quest Four. You know, where, like, your party was, like, totally dying, but your healer decided to use her, like, very weak physical attack instead of actually healing somebody? That was awesome. Again, not, not, not quite, because yeah. you could control the hero. Yeah, just you the hero, though. the hero what to hit. Yeah. Well, you can't even control the hero in this one. Oh, get, well, okay. That's innovation, right? Randomly. Oh, wow. Huh. Well, I, I'm sure that just makes the, the battles go smoother, right? Right? Oh, and you know what's also great about this? If animations take a long time to play out, oh, yeah. you can't make them fast forward except by holding down the shoulder buttons continuously. Hmm. Doesn't what? that sound like fun? Well, yeah, I, it could be. I mean, if you just needed but a break. But you're looking at these wonderfully pixelated enemies using those great polygonal graphics that the DS was known for cramming, for throwing out. Well, we're not worried about the graphics. We're worried about the awesome gameplay of just laying back and watching your characters just kind of level. Like Final Fantasy XII, right? You set the gambits and they just kind of play themselves and level up and that's satisfying. Oh, do not compare this to Final Fantasy XII. <laughs> I... <laughs> I think you're stretching there, Phil. But yeah, that, that's like that's go, like go comparing ahead, McDonald's. Tell him how wrong he is. Yeah, that's like comparing McDonald's to filet mignon. No, actually, no. That's an insult to McDonald's. That's like comparing about, high school uh, lunch how about food. Old McDonald's. Yeah. Hmm. So, so let me ask you something, Phil. Do you like getting experience in your battles? Oh, yeah, experience is awesome. You level up. Do you like getting? Do you also, loot? like getting money. Oh, yeah, because you use money like buy gear and become more powerful and shit. Well, Phil, what if I told you that in this game, you can get one or you can get the other, but you can't get both? Wait, wait I have to choose? Yes. Yes, you do! Oh. Well, so you start out this game don't... in one mode and you're like, wait a minute, why am I not getting any money? Oh, because I have to switch to combat mode and then I can get items to sell stuff for money, but then you run around and you're like, wait a minute, why am I not getting any stronger? Oh, because I have to switch to virtue mode to get experience and none the twain shall meet. That is, uh... You know, RPGs are all about choices, but I don't think I've quite heard of that particular choice before. See? This is an innovative game. But that's... can't say you've heard that one before. No, I can't say. I've, I've played hundreds of RPGs over the decades. I can't say I've heard of that one before. I ought to try that in my next D&D game. Hey, guys, this battle, you get to choose. Now, the, the, the annoying thing is that it seems like someone tried to do something cool with these two modes. Like, with Virtue Mode, if you defeat all the enemies on a map, they won't respawn again until you leave the dungeon completely. And then each map has a chest that you can unlock if you defeat all the enemies, which is kind of a nice little reward until you realize that you need money to get gear. And Oh, I'm looking at my review. You, you never get money from the enemies. You get items instead yeah, with the uh, virtue. Money, and, you have to run Gad's Express errands. Do you like fetch quests? Who doesn't? Not well, you know. I mean, that's, that's you know, that's I do it at my job. Why not do it in my game, right? <laughs> what about fetch quests where you can only take one fetch quest at a time? Oh, well, it's kind of hard to combine my trips that way, but... Uh... Do I get some of that fancy XP and cold you were guys were talking about earlier? You get the gig, you get the gold, but not that much, and you have to do it over and over and over again if you want to get money to get stronger. 
Well, that's not like my job. <laughs> and, and let me ask you: Do, do you want to get that gold quickly? Quickly, as in as in getting from point A to point B quickly. Well, well, yeah, yeah. Do, do we have a vehicle, a car to do our well, first quest? You, you, you get to run. Oh. But the thing about running is that it makes you tired, and when you're tired, you. When you're tired, your HP goes down. Well, huh. That that doesn't sound oh, like too much and fun. When you get too tired, when your HP goes down to, I think it's a third of your total, you can't run anymore. You have to heal. Isn't that like uh, Rune Factory or something like that? I mean, those are fun games, right? Managing your stamina and stuff before you have to go to bed. <laughs> but it's not your stamina. <laughs> it's your HP. It's, it's how you survive battles. Oh, you have to uh, fight, too? Yeah. Yeah. Even when you're running, it's not a guarantee that you'll be able to get around the enemies. So, I think my cat has an opinion about this game. (laughs) Don't think she's very happy about it. I think you're right. (laughs) Oh, and looking back at my review, I'm identifying this other wonderful thing about the fetch quests. The game usually doesn't tell you who you need to deliver the fetch quest to. So you just get to blunder around and see, are you the person? Are you the NPC? No. Are you? No. Who in this town wants this stupid sack of slime earrings or whatever it is? Because, you know, the game is telling you that your time is not valuable. You have the time to sit there and just go through all the inane, bland things that Ubisoft provided these NPCs to say because you don't really want to know how to get the fetch quest done in an efficient manner now do you of course not hence the 40 hours i think a lot of that 40 hours was just inflation i mean that's that's mystery and stuff like that's that a lot of people like that in rpgs right dragon quest one you couldn't even advance if you didn't figure out where the hidden walls were at and stuff right that's classic about this other great thing your equipment can break in battle Ooh. Well, yeah, I forgot about that. That's innovative. Oh, and it's like Fire Emblem. I mean, except you, my, you can't guess, Mike. That's like that's like that's like the new Zelda that everyone's giving like ten out ten, right? Because the weapons break all the time. I mean, that's that's awesome. Again, you're. This is in fights where you randomly hit the enemies. You can't pick which ones you're going to hit. Am I going to? Am I? Is it going to break while I'm fighting these stupid, worthless? weak little woolly bears that are attacking me back near the original town? Or is it going to break while I'm fighting round two of round three of the stupid pen of the final boss? I don't know. Let me ask you something else, Phil. Do you you want to run from battle after your equipment breaks? Well, that that doesn't sound like much of a hero. That sounds like a coward's way out. Yeah, but I mean, say you want to run from battle. You want to know how you run from battle in this game? Hmm. You blow into the microphone. Oh, I bet you that's not embarrassing on public transportation. Yeah, I hope you don't have asthma, because you're going to be in for a fun time. <laughs> asthma. And I, I don't even... I don't even think that the 3DSs have microphones anymore, or if they do, I don't know where they are. Hmm. Maybe you just, like, wave it through the air, you know. I, I guess so. That, that might Or that maybe might if you played on 3DS, then just accept it. You can't run. You will have to fight every time. <laughs> but yeah, don't you just love those early DS games that had microphone? 
Oh yeah, that. yeah. Or forced in touch controls because hey, look, it's got a touchscreen, so we've got to figure out a way to make that work. We got to fit that in. I mean, I, I joke about having the asthma. Liter- I do have asthma, and literally one of those games, I think it was like Deep Labyrinth or something. There was a scene where I had to blow into the mic to like blow some dust off the door, and I thought I was going to have to go get my inhaler. I have forgotten just about everything regarding Deep Labyrinth. Uh, <laughs> I don't have asthma. That's probably why. I would remember it if that happened. I, I remembered that very distinctly, and my mother had to be like, play something else. You're going to end up in the emergency room. <laughs> and for Deep Labyrinth, really, it wasn't worth it. No. No, it wasn't. Mm. This doesn't sound like a very fun game, even if I was drinking. Well, I think one of the only reasons why I played as much of it as I did was because it was one of the first RPGs on the DS. So I thought, well, surely it can't be that bad. And boy, I was wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently it can be. Hmm. Uh, well, that's kind of depressing. Oh, Phil, well, Phil, you can always see what it's going for, because I'm sure aftermarket game prices have no relation to quality. Let's take a look. Uh, Lunar. Uh, Bad game. Yeah, that pulled right up on eBay. Pulled right up to Dragon Song. Let's see here. Well, um, I got a couple $16 deals with the box. $10 without the box. But of course, our our people want it brand new in the shrink wrap because our listeners only deserve the best. And for that, you're going to be forking out 60 bucks. <laughs> For $60, you can have one of the, uh, let's say, most talked about RPGs on the Nintendo DS's uh, library. Because, I mean, the Nintendo DS is known for its RPGs. At least in mint condition, they never have to play it. They could just let it sit on their shelf and rot and it shrink wrap like it serves. It's got pretty artwork. Yeah, I I think the same character designer who did the earlier Lunars did this, I wouldn't say these are as inspired as his earlier character designs, though. Literally, the most inspiring thing about the characters is that they're named after people in the band Genesis. <clears throat> there was a Phil. <laughs> There's Lu- Lucia Collins, Gabriel Ryan, and Flora Banks. <laughs> I had forgotten that. Yeah, I wonder I why. I didn't notice it until I was doing my research, and I was like, oh, that's that's nice. I like Genesis. Too bad they weren't paid homage to in a game that was better. At least... No, no. If it was an official thing, then Genesis would have had to... would have gotten money for this, and Genesis deserves... does not deserve to have its name in any way referenced with this. Oh, you I know, think I know the connection. It was called Lunar Genesis in Japan. There we go. Oh, I did not know that. See, I, I read that, and the first thing I thought of was the Guns N' Roses references in Mega Man X5, and that's a much better game. It is, even if it, the references make no sense to me. Am I supposed to be thinking of Slash while I'm fighting this Rose? <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, this was one of those, one of the many, many games that just had to have a title that abbreviated DS. Thanks, developers of 12 to 10 years ago. That helps us so much now. It still makes for a good joke sometimes. At least I know what system it's on. I'll never forget what system Castlevania Dawn of Sorrow is on. So, Phil, you definitely want to try Dragon Song right now, don't you? 
Wow, his, his eagerness is palpable. I'm dying at stupid mute button. I'm like, mm-mm, no, it doesn't sound like fun. This isn't even one of those so bad it's good kind of games. This is just so bad that it's terrible. And I'm the type of person that tries to find enjoyment in pretty much any game I play. And even this one, I was like, this is hot garbage. The design decisions in this game kind of killed any fun I might have had just by playing through a mediocre RPG. Looking at my review, I remembered something else about it. You get cards... The cards were honestly the way that I cheesed my way to the to victory because there's one that will poison any enemy in the game and it will lose 5% of its HP each turn. And I just used it all three times on the final boss and watched it slowly die. And so your I characters... You, sorry. Your characters I, I stay if, the same. <laughs> you go first. I guess if you wanted an easy way to cheese the game, that card is the way. I'm not sure if that's necessarily a recommendation. Yeah, it, it would certainly add some variety because your characters practically don't learn anything throughout the entire game. Uh, the main character, the kicky guy, um, you can get some magic rings to give him a spell. And then the cat girl character just learns one spell the whole game that you can spam. And then you have your healer character that's just the healer and she heals and might increase your attack, but that's all she does is heals, so, you know, the combat is just so riveting. Well, the spells are awesome because they hit everything. You can either use physical attacks, which just randomly go wherever the hell the game feels like, or you can use spells, which hit everything. And then top up your MP, and bam, you've, you've got a winning formula. And, and the spells are just so distinct with the same blah, blah spell art on each icon so that... You can't even tell what the spell is until you hover over it with the stylus. Yep, and and then, of course, you need to be holding down the shoulder buttons because otherwise these stupid battles take five minutes each to play out, which is on any turn-based game with random bat. Well, they're not random, but they might as well. That's just too damn long. So hold down the shoulder buttons and it takes all of two minutes. Ooh. I think we're ready to move on, Phil. Ew. Yeah, oh, yeah, there, there was music. I don't remember any of it. Neither do I, other than it's badly compressed DS sound garbage. Earlier games in this series had really good music. This does not. Hmm. Hmm. Well, I think I'm perfectly content. You know, I have closure in my life talking about this game in a support group. <laughs> closure in my life I, in a support group. You're not alone anymore, Kelly. I, I played I, it too. I can I can die knowing that I never have to talk about it nor see it again. I will put it on my DS shelf, and that's where it will be to rot. And maybe my future grandchildren will be like, well, what's this? And you can just say, that is the story Grandma is does not want to remember. Only, and you don't want to experience it either. So just, just, just bring it in for a virtual hug right now. Just just bring it home. Just feel that. Oh. That feels this good. This game hurt me. It's okay. It, it, it's okay, Relly. We, we understand. We understand you. Well, Mike does. I don't, but you know he does. Sorry. Yeah. Just, just think of just think of Cross Edge again, Phil. Then you'll get. Oh my gosh. Oh. Oh my goodness gracious. Why'd you have to go? No. No. That game. No. That because just, you weren't just... sufficiently empathetic. You had to feel some of the pain. Oh my gosh! Now you're driving me to drink more. I'm gonna go drink more. 
Oh my gosh, I'm gonna take a break. We're gonna take a break because I gotta go get more, more booze. Because Mike made me, made me do it. He made me do it. Bye. I'm sorry either. You were having come, too good a day. We're gonna come back. Bye. Listen to some music. Not from that game though. It's depressing. We'll do it from the last game. This is the final lap where we just share our thoughts, kitchen sink stuff. We'd read your comments, but it's been so long since we did the last show, we done forgot where you put them. Uh, uh, but I probably find it. To, to, oh, here. like I even remember the last show we did. Do we even do a lot? I can't remember. It's been months. You did Final Fantasy 13 too. I know that. What can I do for you? No, I that's, can't that's hear 10 you. Two. That's the wrong sequel. It's all. It's all sequels. But Phil loves that. Phil loves that song for some reason. What can I do for you? Pretty sure I've got it on Spotify on like some playlist. See, I, I'm not gonna lie. I actually uh, platinum trophied that game. Yeah, change or thirteen. Thir- thirteen too. I didn't do the platinum trophy on thirteen one just because some of them were kind of ridiculous. But thirteen two, I could not put down. I, I mean, yeah, the story was kind of blah, but I had so much fun playing that game that it didn't really matter. So I, I really enjoyed 13.2, and I'm kind of a 13 I apologist. I can't speak to it informally yet. Just what I said in there was I was able to play the intro in horrible choppiness because it was just not optimized for, for PC at all. The frame uh. rate was in the single digits. It was moving along at a horrible rate. I, I would have to choose options and then just hear them carried out long before the visuals would actually take effect. Wow. Wheels did not like this game. No, he did not. <laughs> I hate this game if it wasn't clear enough, he says. And and then there were some conversations about, hey, some of uh, uh, some some people like the, uh, the, the, the soundtrack. Yeah, I mean, and did I, when we did 13-2, did I talk any about it, Mike? I don't remember it's, you having much to say. We've been months. Wheels on. I mean, because I played, but I can't remember if I played. I remember playing it recently, but I can't remember if I did it before the podcast or after the podcast because my life's just been a blur. Um, I think you did talk about it a little. You had played it right before we did. Uh, okay, so I put some. Okay, so at least, I, yeah. Okay, so I already shared my thoughts. Then cool. I'll go back and listen to that show if you want to hear mine because I don't want to repeat it for people who are listening like through these like they're binge listening to the podcast because uh, people do that. It's a thing. Anyways. I- 
I will have to be on a Lightning Returns podcast so that I can, I don't know, offer some balance since I enjoyed that game too. <laughs> there you go. You know, Lightning Returns came out in 2014. It's eligible for a backtrack now. Yay! Yay! Heck, in another year, Final Fantasy fifteen will be eligible for a backtrack. Yay! I can talk about that, too. I, I can't, but I don't have to. Talk about Gladio being my waifu. Riding in the... Hey, hey, Mike, do do we know what our next show is going to be by yet, by chance? Are we still looking uh, through that? I'm thinking it might be longer, sir, but I'm not certain yet. So I'll, I'll have to float some ideas around. Yeah, yeah. Um, shoot. So let's do, uh, let's, uh, let's do like kitchen uh, sink stuff. Uh, really, this is pretty much where we talk about things you're working on on the side or games you're playing or movies you're watching. I mean, it pretty much is pretty much just open forum. So well, knock yourself out. Right now I am playing through Monster Hunter stories on the 3DS. And this has been kind of my surprise favorite portable game of the year. Because, Are you doing it for review? No, um, I'm just kind of doing it for funsies and to talk about on RPG Cast because I try to play at least I try to play at least one current game on RPG Cast to talk about, and then maybe I'll go back and play something classic, especially if I'm going to be doing backtrack a lot more. But um, Chris got me into Monster Hunter Stories because he played the demo and really sung its praises. So then I downloaded the demo and couldn't put it down. And I'm I'm a little bit too much of a wuss for Monster Hunter proper just because I'm terrible at games like that. You know, the kind of looking for tells. Basically Dark Souls type games I'm just awful at. And I think Monster Hunter kind of does have a Dark Souls vibe in a way. You know, you're oh, it does. fighting big monsters. I mean, yeah, it's, basically, it's basically Dark Souls. You're right. You're looking for these monsters. It's more of an action game. The big mm-hmm. difference being that it's a little bit more friendly as far as inviting people to help you. But yeah. even Dark Souls does that lately. So, yeah. no, there's a lot of similarities there. I mean, if, you know, focus on, on, on upgrading through gear only is a bit of yeah. a difference. But that's hardly a huge difference. Yeah. And I mean, I, I enjoyed what I played of Monster Hunter 4, but I ended up having to stop it because I was just getting too frustrated at some of the mechanics. But Monster Hunter Stories is kind of a way to experience the Monster Hunter world without having that pressure. And it's basically a Monster Hunter Pokemon where you fi- you find monster eggs and these nests and you go back to your base and you hatch them and you can take them with you into battles. And the battle mechanic is kind of a rock, paper, scissors mechanic like I was talking about earlier. And you have you have the tells, but you have to kind of fight things a little bit and use your cat companion to kind of give you hints on what moves to use. And what's really snagged me about this game is the story because I feel like you're playing as your own character avatar and I feel like I am part of this world. Um, a lot of the cutscenes have just been really heartwarming, and it's just been a really fun game so far. And the, the, the for a 3DS game, like the world is huge, and you get to explore it. And I I just got a monster that let me fly around, so now I'm going around like trying to reach ledges that I couldn't reach to get more items. And you find these little there's like these little pigs that you collect 
for items and stuff like that, and they're just really cute. And it's just a really fun game that I highly recommend. So, so, so my breadth of experience with it doesn't go as far as yours, but I did, uh, I did buy this on the whole Amazon Prime twenty percent off deal uh, mm-hmm. for buying new games uh, based on early reviews. Uh, and for the very similar similar reasons uh, and as such, just look like a, a more friendly version of Monster Hunter. And again, the reviews and turn-based RPGs always interest me. So uh, I went ahead and checked it out. I'm like you. I mean, the game's got the feels. I, I don't know how to put it. I mean, I'm a fan of, of JRPGs and, and the vibe that they you know put off, whether it's a more mature JRPG or it's the fun kidsy type of thing like Pokemon. But mm. um, but especially when you get to the some of the stuff that's a little bit younger like Pokemon, there's a fine line between something that's just a a really fun story and something that just comes across as immature, you know, like mm-hmm. irritating. But this game clearly gets it right. Like it's got the feels. I mean, within two hours, I was laughing. I was, you know, feeling it with the youngins and stuff. And it was just, it was just, it's just cute. Like I said, it's just really, really well thought out. And and the cutscenes are just, you know, are absolutely uh, gorgeous and, and well choreographed. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I haven't gone much much further in that. You've gotten a lot further than I have, but um, I, I, I like the first impression is just really well done on this game. It's totally something like people will probably might be quick to dismiss it because they're like, well, Monster Hunter does this thing, and Monster Hunter has its audience, and you got this weird ass spinoff. Uh, so you know what? Uh, there's better games out there. But let me tell you something. Like Final Fantasy Tactics was just a spinoff of the main series, and it's one of the most loved games of this day. You know, I mean, we talk about turn-based, you know, tactical RPGs, and the best ones of that generation. Final Fantasy Tactics is usually really close to the top of that list. Uh, mm-hmm. Monster Hunter Stories does something similar. I just think, I mean, at least that's my impression. Early impression is that it's just a really good shoot-off. Yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with necessarily doing a spinoff that does something different. I mean, just using the Pokemon example, I really like the Mystery Dungeon series. And the Mystery Dungeon series kind of has a similar vein where you're playing a different side of a story and you're kind of a player avatar and you make these friends and you feel like you're really friends with these characters. And that's the vibe that I get from Monster Hunter stories. And to me, a game that makes me forget that these characters are game characters that that says a lot to me can't can't argue with that yeah and other than that i mean i mean you usually hear me talk about what i've been playing on rpg cast so i shouldn't really go too no no totally different audience okay our our audience is a higher caliber just gonna put that out there okay a lot of them just uh you know they've only got time for one and they pick the best of the two Nothing against RPG cast, so feel free to share whatever you want. Well, I've been playing through Yeez 8. Ooh. Vita or PS4? P- PS4, mainly because I'm, I'm still playing through Monster Hunter stories, and I usually have at least one portable game and one non-portable game going at any given time. And if I play, even though I prefer portable sometimes, I really wanted to see Yeez on the big screen. And um, my favorite Yeez game in the series, in the entire Yeez series, is Memories of Salsetta. Because I really like the battle system, I really like the exploration of that game, and I really liked the story and the world. And Yeez 8 is kind of a sequel to that. It's very similar in a lot of ways to that. 
Yeah. Um, you know, being able to control multiple characters at once, um, being able to spam their special attacks, um, running around gathering materials and stuff like that. I am not quite as in love with this game's story as I was with Salsetta because the whole thing takes place on a desert island. So you're kind of running into the same characters and, you know, it's it's very much like Lost where you have characters that you like and characters that you want to push off a cliff into Shark's Mouth. I remember wondering where a couple of strange detours came from have you gone through the whole serial killer plot yet yes i did and that was like okay that came out of nowhere but yeah that well, would don't happen. you worry it won't really be referenced for the rest of the game okay that and was wait, odd wait for the ghost ship to come along and you'll want oh, i'm not oh, that ghost far ship. okay well there is a ghost ship so does this I mean, do you have all the stuff that's it tied together into overall arching story, or is it just crap that's happening on an island? Uh, the ghost ship is mentioned a couple of times by Sahad, but otherwise, it it could have been easily conveyed by here. Let's let's find a book that says this rather than uh, I'll let you find out for yourself. Okay. Yeah, I just got to the point to where I could switch back and forth between Adol and Dana. Ah, you pronounce it Dana, even though every oh, bit of voice acting says Donna. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. It's it's Dana. No, <laughs> I, 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 that's probably a holdover from the Japanese. I'll have to ask my husband who speaks Japanese. It probably is, and I can't really complain because the voice cast does a good job for the most part. Yeah, I mean, the, the voice acting doesn't bother me too much. There's just one minor little complaint I have, and that I hate that the girl in your party refers to him as Adol Christian, like he's Charlie Brown. She does eventually let go, and it's supposed to be a more meaningful thing than I think it is because, uh, again, that's a, that's a holdover from the Japanese, I think. Okay, that, that just drives me insane. There are a lot of lines in here where I think they weren't quite finessed to the point where they sound fully natural in English. Okay, gotcha. And that, uh, that's all yeah, I've. Really... I had to play the whole thing. I reviewed it. Okay, I, I didn't realize you reviewed it, but I reviewed the Vita version. Okay, is it, does the Vita version play okay too? Because I'm playing on PS4. Maybe if I had been playing it on PS4 also to compare, I would have had some complaints, but. It ran smoothly all the time for me. I mean, it, it got a little slow when there were tons of things on the screen, but never to the point where I said, what the hell is wrong with you, game? There was I, one moment when it slowed down horribly for about a minute or so, and then just stopped, and I never had that happen again. Ah, uh, the, the only complaint that, well, I mean, not even really a complaint because it worked out in my favor, is that some of the larger monsters have been kind of glitchy. So I was spamming Tornado Strike, and managed to get one in the air and was able to juggle it endlessly until it died. And it was like one of those big honking monsters that technically I wasn't supposed to even beat at that time. And it was like, yeah. oh, I leveled up like a couple of times after I beat that thing. I was like, okay, I wonder if I can replicate this. Okay, nope, I'm getting my ass kicked. <laughs> and, and my only other complaint is that it's been really kind of difficult to find a lot of healing items. Yeah, I don't remember that being an issue. Maybe because... It, it has the old ease thing. Here, let's just stand around and wait for HP to regen, because it will. Okay, I didn't realize that you could do that in this version. I admit it's not too much fun to just sit there and watch your HP rege regenerate, but you can do it. It's there. 
Okay. See, I didn't think that they had that in the two action-y titles, like 4 and 7. I thought that that was more of a Othenfulgana, Ease Origin kind of thing. I swear it was addressed directly in the game. Somebody mentions to you, or some explanatory screen comes on to tell you, you know, you know, on the Isle of Siren, if you just stand around in the outdoors without doing anything, it's just so naturally healthy that your health will regen or some crap like that. I probably just skipped right through that crap because I was like, ah, oh, I played Celsetta, I know what I'm doing. Which, which, yeah, the only real addition to Celsetta is you can jump here. Yeah. I mean, that's all I've really been playing. I've been working on a lot of artwork lately, trying to get some new drawings done. I've been doing a lot of illustrations for um, the sci-fi novel I've been, or the fantasy novel I've been attempting to write. But because I also write for a living, lately I've been so stressed out that I haven't wanted to sit in front of a Word document as soon as I get off work. So... Yeah, I've been doing a lot of do gaming. You write, do you write nonfiction for a living? Yeah, yeah. I write products for websites and optimize them for SEO and stuff like that. And that takes, that really kills my creativity sometimes because I've got to be so on the nose for this kind of stuff that by the time I'm done, it's like, I don't want to be personally creative. I just want to veg out in front of a video game for the rest of the night. I get it. Yeah. Yeah, it's basically like being a car mechanic and then wanting to go home and work on your hot rod. Like, sometimes you're just not feeling it. I don't think anybody is going to say, that's stupid. You should like what you do 100% of the time. <laughs> See, th this is exactly why I don't do artwork for a living, because then I would hate it. I have a lot rate, of people... Easy. Sorry. <laughs> I have a lot of people that... 8 is a good game. Yeah. And I broke in on you, I'm sorry. No, 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 I just, I have a lot of people that do do artwork for a living and for fun, and it's like, more power to you, I would hate myself if I did that. You know, I used to play games for fun, and and then I became a reviewer in RP Gamer, and certain people asked me to review certain games, and, 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 and then I realized that, yes, indeed, Playing games can be a very hated activity that I no longer enjoy. In fact, in fact, this might be so miserable I want to slit my wrist and, and cut myself open and and stuff. Just, just saying, it's a thing. It can happen. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know you feel my pain. Anything else for our listening audience? Nope. I, I think I'm good. It's probably getting to be close to bedtime for me. Well, Miss Riley, right we appreciate you. Being on the show, say hi to Mr. Kaim for us, and and uh, we hope we have you on again real soon. Yeah, I, I appreciate you guys having me. It's been an honor. I mean, I've been listening for, for forever, and you guys got me through some pretty crappy times at work. Well, that's that's awesome, because, you know, our listeners get us through some very crappy games that we play, because <laughs> we know we're doing this for a purpose, especially Mike. Mike takes so many games on the chin. For the for for our listeners, that's what he does. That's his calling in life. Or for the site, sometimes Mac will just be so he'll seem so sad. Come on, won't somebody take this away from my inbox? Won't somebody take this review code for this latest this latest Chemco release? Won't someone please? And occasionally, I have said, "All right, Mac, 
I'll do it for you, and usually I regret it, but... <laughs> yeah, like like this little game called Valkyria Revolution, for example. <laughs> Sorry, did I, did I steal your thunder there? I just couldn't help myself. Wait a minute, that game's down to $20 now. That means they want more people to play it, right? Ooh, let me go buy a cow. Oh, wait, no, not so much. Ah, <laughs> uh, darn. I don't think we have enough time tonight to go into Valkyria Revolution. But it's a Valkyria game, and everybody loves Valkyria Chronicles, so it must be good. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Kelly, you should probably go to bed. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you guys for having me, and I hope to be on future episodes and bring a little light to some games that some people might not like, like Lightning Returns, but not Ludar Dragon Song, because that was so unlikable. I'm sure someone out there is just a, a contrarian who likes it because everyone else hates it, and I'm sorry for that person. If No, I, I am not that kind of contrarian. If, uh, if something has a glaring flaw, I will rip into that flaw, but at the same time, it takes, it takes a pretty bad game for me to hate it, and... Dragon songs certainly fit that category. I feel like looking right now to see what GameFAX has to say on the subject, because I'm sure there are people... GameFAX is great for making people crawl out of the woodwork who just love to be awesome by being against everybody else. Oh, wow. Amazingly enough, there is very little discussion on this game in GameFAX. I can't imagine why. Get out! Anyway, good night, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks good, for being here. Good night. Thanks for having me. You all have an excellent week. You too. Uh so so what's what's up with you, Mr. Minky? It has been a while. It has. You mentioned Valkyrie Revolution. I'm not sure how much we want to talk about that because uh there's a lot to say on it. Do you want and I don't want to be up that late tonight. Start a revolution! Uh, Phil, you know how much fun it is when you try to play a game that looks kind of like an action game, like an action game, and then it doesn't play like an action game? See, hmm. I, I have the sniper rifle, and uh-huh. I will pause and just slowly look around. Ah, there's an enemy here. I'll shoot him. Oh, wait! There's this railing in my way! It doesn't look like it's in my way, but somehow I managed to shoot the railing instead of the enemy, and I wasted that shot. That's great game design right there. Oh, yeah, spot on. Or, uh, Phil, why did you do? I'm starting to remember the freaking boss fights of this game. I feel, like it's, I feel like it's kind of karma for what you brought up earlier. Cross Edge. Ah, see, there it is. There, there it is. Cross Edge. There it is. Make it stop. Well, you know what? Everybody loves boss fights where the bosses have tons and tons of HP and you get to, and it plays like an action game, so you have to keep whacking them and 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 maybe healing. And then they bring in some reinforcements and you have to keep whacking the reinforcements and then kill the boss, whack the boss again and 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 again. And then when you think, and then after all that, Oh, look, I've taken off about a third of the boss's life. Let's do this again and again and again and again until... Oh, wait, let's have a nice long plot scene in the middle so that I can forget what I was doing by the time we resume the fight. Thanks. (laughs) That sounds like fun. Good for you, Phil. Go buy it right now and have fun. Woo, it's on sale, yay! I could go into the story because there was an awful lot of story. 
there was so much freaking story in this game that they had to cut that cut, scenes were cut out and you have the option of looking at all these optional scenes and I did watch a few of them because I was trying to be a completionist and most of them just show a few lines here I'm I'm talking about something that you forgot I knew about oh yeah you, you think you're going to expose my plans you're not mm. well I'm definitely going to because this is a bad war and yeah you you really didn't need to see that scene, but it was in there anyway as an option. Thanks, game. And I kept trying to understand, how does a country that has 800,000 people somehow try to successfully invade an empire with with over 60 million people? Nobody ever addressed that. It's kind of if, say, oh, I don't know, uh, let's say Switzerland decides that it's going to invade France, Italy, and Germany simultaneously. Probably too realistic. Mm-hmm. What the... The Metacritic average for Lunar Dragon Song is a 59. <laughs> is, that, is that like 58 points too many? I think that just shows how many people don't use the full scale right. of their rating systems. No, that, it's, a, it's an absolute excellent example of the whole problem with the whole full scale thing and why our scores are so much... We talked about this before, but it's been a while. But it just... No, it absolutely makes me cranky. Uh, that, you know, bad games start off at, like, 60 or 70, and then good games... If they're you know, really bad, they might get 50. Yeah, and, and only if they're completely buggy and broken do you ever see something between 1 and 50, and there's, like, two games a year in that range. It's stupid. Uh, no, I'm with you. Uh, I, I always hate that. Like, even on my own spreadsheet where I keep a list of the games I play and I give them my own ratings, I like the RP Gamer scale a, a lot better. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, because we use the full scale in ours. Anyway, Valkyria Revolution. I would have loved to have had a great... You know, I actually did have a pretty good time when I was just skating through, killing things in in the free missions. But then I would always run into stupid bugs. Uh, who the hell thought it was a good idea that you can't look at a map of the entire area when you're in a mission? You just have this little zoom display that shows maybe a block around you. Why would you ever need to know that when you're getting time, you're getting results based on how quickly you finish the mission? That, that... Well, they, they want to add challenge to it, right? They want it to be too easy. I guess so. You're just supposed to remember the overmap from when you were looking at the mission display before you go in there. Yeah, that's the, that's the ticket. It's a memory retention test. Well, it's like the uh, the old Metroid games and Blaster Master and all that, man. Back in the old days when I was your age, we didn't have no damn minimap. We had to memorize the game in order to get good at it. Right? You're right. All right, yay. Yep, this is completely like an NES game where you need to make your own map. Yeah, that's because that was the best part of NES games was having to draw your own fucking maps. I remember watching a completionist a video where he was talking about the new the new Metroid and uh, on the DS, uh, and that one does have a decent mini map in it. But in order to set up a speed run, in order to clear achievements and unlock endings and the such, you know, pausing and going to the mini map wasn't gonna wasn't gonna be sufficient. So him and his team actually sit down in old school style. But they did it on the computer instead of with a pen and paper. But they actually drew out the entire map and cut and paste and everything so that he could figure out the most efficient way to get through the game. Uh, that sound, like I said, I, I admire him for 100%ing that game. He is called The Completionist for a reason. I admire it. There's no way in fucking hell I'm ever going to do that because 
that looks like work and i don't play games to work <laughs> that sounds like work yeah it just sounds like work now etri and odyssey where you draw the map as you go along that's actually kind of fun because the drawing of the map is part of the game and it's down there on the second screen and that's kind of neat and you're not in a rush but the idea of i'm going to take out graph paper and plan out these dungeons and stuff we joke about from time we're like well back in my day that was kind of no it's it really wasn't fun guys even back in the day it was just kind of a necessity and we had a lot more free time back then but that didn't mean it was fun it was just a way to kind of that aspect of the game was more of a way to kill time than than super exciting i swear but uh but the yeah nah nah nah, just memorizing them in order to be no no memorization (laughs) nah yeah no hell no uh Enough Valkyrie Revolution for now. Um, yeah. Mac gave me the review copy of Etrian Odyssey 5, you know, the game that's not out for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I am playing it. Based on early impressions, I don't know if I will be able to review it by the time the embargo date ends in two weeks. It, just because A, it is an Etrian Odyssey game, so it's big, and B, it's a little less accommodating than Etrian Odyssey 4 was in that I have to move more deliberately. The enemies are enough of an issue that I have to pay attention to what I'm doing in battle. It took me two and a half hours to get past the very first floor. I don't know if that will pick up as I go on. I've only I've only had the game one day. Hmm. But it is an Etrian Odyssey game. Napping the dungeon is fun. It's added. So you have races when you pick your classes now, and the, each of the races has innate abilities which affect what you can do in the dungeon you know, gathering things at gathering spots or being able to uh, make friends with animals and they'll give you stuff, that kind of crap. And there are little mini things as you go along. This was always in the Etrian Odysseys where, um, here, you see, a, you see a nest up in the tree above you. You have the option of trying to shake an egg out of the nest. What do you do? But here it actually treats that as if it, you you went on a mini quest, and once you're done with it, it gives you a little experience and, tells, and give, logs it in your adventure log as, here, you adventured to find this rare salamander that because you were smart enough not to immediately barge in and disturb this poisonous salamander's habitat, you were able to grab the coin that was nesting alongside of it. That I kind of like that. Mm-hmm. But it's still it's still early times. I can't tell you too much more yet. Except nah. that it definitely feels like Etrian Odyssey. No, nah, I look forward to, uh, to 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 reading that. As uh, I'm, I put it on the shelf for now to focus a little bit more on Dragon Quest. But as you know, I was playing uh, Persona Q before, and it's on hold right now. But uh, I, I do enjoy uh, Persona Q, so I like the Etrian Odyssey games and the spinoff Persona Q, which doesn't sound like Etrian Odyssey, boys and girls. But trust me, <laughs> it totally is an Etrian Odyssey game with a fun combat system. Yes, it is. Um, I played it. I concur. Yeah, yeah. I now I will say, Mike. I, again, this is where I say, boys and girls, Mike Minky absolutely is an awesome guy and just absolutely takes it on the chin for the team to bring you quick and thorough reviews for the site. So go and check out our website because these are reviews by RP gamers for RP gamers, and he dedicates himself to the task. Because I can tell you, I don't have the discipline to sit there and marathon an Etrian Odyssey game. <laughs> Because while I love them, I yeah, love them in, in moderation. Reviews, we have to finish the games. <laughs> yeah, and you have to. We we finish them all the way, and and in order to get them done anywhere close to the embargo release date or whatever have you, obviously, Mister Mickey is marathoning that shit. And God bless his heart because marathoning any sort of EO game is not easy. Well, I only have two weeks before release day. I don't think I'm going to make a review 
I'll try. I try to do that for Mac, but I don't always manage. Oh yeah, and I have to do a review of Dragon's Crown because I played through that recently. It was fun. Uh, Dragon's Crown. Uh, Dragon's Crown. They day because uh, that's on the PlayStation Four now, or is that what you're reviewing, uh, or you're retro reviewing? It'll be a retro review. I played it on the Vita. No, it's uh, that's a cool game. I think, but I didn't. I didn't play through it all the way, so I can't say it's. Like in an RP gamer review, like oh yeah, I think the cool thing about RP gamer reviews is if y'all have ever sat down and played a game, and the first seventy percent of it's really awesome, but then it starts falling apart in that last third or a quarter because they really didn't think through all the game balancing, they really didn't play test it enough. That really gets on my my nerves. But RP gamer, because we finish our games, we'll tell you whether or not it fell apart at the end. But I do know my my early hours with that game were, were pretty fun definitely very pretty and striking game is all of those isn't that vanillaware yes it is yeah all those vanillaware it's just insane how much art which is gorgeous but and it, finishing except, dragon's crown honestly isn't that hard it's not a long game no no uh you of course in that particular game that's the lady with the big thunder thighs that's what i remember <laughs> is that she looked like she could uh, bust open crab legs with her thighs just what about that the was, sorceress who seems to have really really big fruit on her chest yeah <laughs> yeah and i remember reading some articles when that was coming out like oh you know this is demeaning women and stuff like that and i was just i was just like come on it's it's obviously a super exaggerated you know arsa i mean the, the guy barbarian dude looks like his muscles have muscles for their muscles i mean obviously they totally exaggerate a uh, completely exaggerate to the point where it's not even really attractive it's just it's just you know it, 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 you know it's not like sexually attractive right because it's so out there I and left field yeah yeah i mean if that's your thing god bless you i suppose but uh <laughs> i guess but um yeah i'm with you it was uh but 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 i mean overall it was a, a very aesthetic game especially on the the vita with its oled screen uh just just very pretty uh let's see farther back i did mercenary saga two and three which really aren't hip- talked about much they're remakes on ports on the 3DS virtual console of a couple of cell phone games which may not sound like much but Mac recommended them to me once upon a time and I took a chance and paid the five bucks each and you know what? They're not great tactical RPG but they're good and I'm yeah. glad I played them. What was those they're not again? very long either. Mercenaries. Oh Mercenaries. yeah! Uh, part of me I had to mute for a second there while I sneezed all over the place. But no, yeah, Mercenaries on a 3DS, it definitely, I, I put some hours into the first one um, and I went ahead and bought the second one just to support them. Because uh, you're right, they're a very affordable. They're, 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 yeah, very reminiscent of Final Fantasy tactics, but obviously not nearly as, as deep or the production values and the such. But hey, it's five bucks or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and considering they get no publicity whatsoever, so I took Mac's recommendation, played them, and then I figured, all right, they can use a little publicity. I can review them for the site because they're worth it. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, uh, yeah, no, that that's awesome of you, Mike, because, yeah, I I, I, uh, I I think they could use a little pu- publicity. It's just there's so many little hidden gems on the 3DS shop uh, that a lot of websites don't really go in and review. So uh, at RP Gamer, <laughs> we have people like Mike mm-hmm. who, who dive into some of those gems, so you definitely want to keep an eye on the site. Well, so, again, Mac recommended them to me. Had he not, I might not have heard of them. 
Oh yeah, yeah, and and in fact, I might have originally found them because of one of Max's uh, tweets, and then I tweeted when I picked up the second one and stuff, just to kind of encourage other people to 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 take a look at. If you're into tactical RPGs, uh, it, it's worth checking out. How was the? Uh, did you you played all the way through them? Yep. And and how was the balance throughout the game? Pretty good, actually. Uh, you are. You don't have to go back and use the free battling system, but I did a lot, and I appreciated that when you do that, the battles are not the same as when you fought them in the main game. The, mm-hmm. the enemies are different, and the strat- the scenario is a little different to make you to make it not just a rehash. Mm-hmm. And, and I really liked the way it handles the class system, where. You can change to any one of the classes a character can access, and each character has a couple of unique options, but you can keep moving among them as you like, and all of the uh, passive abilities that come with each class are combined as you gradually put them together, but still, you might want to have the one that has greater movement or the one that is allowed to equip a gun. So you, you need to think a little bit about it, and... Yeah, certain enemies can hit really hard later on, but there are ways to get around it. There are some revival methods or things that don't break the game, but that make it to the point where you don't need to overly exert yourself. Unless you want to play on a higher difficulty level, which is totally up to you. If you feel like being squashed with every hit of an enemy, that's up to you. Yeah, I liked my few hours. I probably put three to five hours uh, into it, and I, I liked it. I, I don't think the story was completely blowing me away, but the gameplay was 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 tight enough for me to keep on uh, keep on playing. Yeah, the story isn't much in either of them. Uh, I honestly can't remember much about it right now. I'd have to go look at my reviews, and I only played these things two months ago. Oh wait, three months ago. Still, I played them earlier this year. And I remember uh, not being very interested in what was happening. But it didn't mm. matter because it, di- it didn't outlast its welcome and would always quickly let me back in. Oh, and there were even a couple of branching paths, so you can go back and play it again. And I didn't do that to see exactly how much changes, but I think you can have a whole mess of different battles in the middle of the game if you take a different path, along with different characters. Mm-hmm. Um... So, yeah, that's cool. Um, what else? Uh, well, since we last did this, what the hell have I playing? I talked about Ease 8 earlier. Oh, Ever Oasis. There we go. Mm, there's a new title that people are talking about on your 3DS handheld system. That's one where I actually got into the sim aspects of it. I was really into building up the oasis and all the people in it and patronizing their shops to build the thing up. The combat was functional. I, the camera was zoomed in close enough that a lot of the time I wasn't able to focus on the action as much as I wanted. And it's an action RPG. So that can be annoying, but I liked exploring the place. Each area felt distinct. It has a pretty good enemy variety. Building up the oasis is a lot of fun. And at first, it seems like there's not much of a plot, and then eventually a plot does come up, which doesn't necessarily work, but neither did I feel repelled by it. Uh, I enjoyed the game on balance, and I gave it a three and a half, which I stand by, because it does have some frustrating issues, but it's it's a 
it's a unique IP that got a big push and a physical 3DS release, which I think we should encourage in this day and age when so much of what we see is just another iteration in a franchise that's been going for 15 years or the latest $100 million development thing from Ubisoft or EA. So you feel that it brings originality to the table? Or do you just like it just because... Uh, the setting is definitely original. It's an original world. It kind of, how it plays isn't ter- terribly original. It's kind of a fusion of Harvest Moon and The Legend of Zelda sort of stuff. But it does it well enough that I kind of appreciate the, the work that went into it. Mm, fair enough. And I, I do like myself some originality. Because you're right, it is it is tough in this day and age um to find something that's too that's too far out of the box and and at the same time is 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 produced super well right i mean it's obviously there's some indie efforts that are going out there and nothing against them but some of them are clearly the production values aren't super skyrockety high <laughs> or they're so, clearly the product of one or two guys who just right they just can't afford to do a yeah. thorough bug check right right and i mean uh, yeah and nothing against against those but it's nice seeing something that's a little bit more well produced or you know with the with the full music and everything like that and and the graphics uh limited as they are to 3ds and uh at the same time is something uh different so if the game gets supported enough they might do a second one that addresses some of the weaker points and makes it even into something even better of course then they're on that track of being another sequel and stuff yeah <laughs> uh i think that's all i've got for now so it's your first we're getting close to your bedtime phil so you better go fast go fast well uh yeah my my job's been super 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 busy so that's why we really haven't had a lot of time to, to play and do podcasts um and the such so I'm, I'm hoping that works itself out but uh you know even now when we were doing the podcast i was typing in budget figures for work because it's just been non-stop so I apologize for you typing. I tried to keep my microphone on mute, but occasionally I would notice, oh, Dread, I forgot to put on mute. So uh, hopefully we didn't get too much of that in. But uh, regardless, from the gaming uh, from the gaming perspective, I do try to take uh, a little bit of time every night, and especially on Sunday, I try to disengage for a few hours and, and, and do some gaming. Um, and for future RPG backtracks, I'm working on a couple of games that hopefully we'll get to talk about soon, so I won't dive into too much detail about Discaya D2, Dragon Quest Seven, <laughs> or um, Star Tropics. So those might it's be future a, shows. I think it's a good thing that you've got the 3DS version of Dragon Quest Seven. Oh and my gosh, yeah. I well, don't I, see you having much TV time I, to play the PlayStation 1. Oh my god, well I told you about my struggles with that first one. Because I did play it way back in the day. I want to say about eight years ago. I had found a copy, tracked it down, and put it in, you know, into the PlayStation. Oh, well, I was a PlayStation three at the time, but to play PlayStation one games. And uh, oh my gosh, you talk about a slow burn. You talk about just get your liquor and put your feet up because boy, that first dungeon that has no monsters is going to take you two hours and change, and that's with an FAQ handy. Heaven help you if you don't have the FAQ. I'm sure it takes you longer. Um, but uh, do you remember yeah. me sharing that little game facts thread where lots of people were complaining that that intro dungeon was shaved down in the 3DS version? 
I, th- I just don't understand you people. Like, the game is still on the 3DS where they've shaved that down and they've provided some other quality of life uh, improvements to uh, <laughs> to cater to us poor people who have full-time jobs and the such. Uh, the game is still a slow burn. It's still a very, very meaty game. I want to say I'm 14 hours in now and I still haven't got to... Uh, this is a spoiler podcast, but I still haven't gotten to the, uh, the their version of the All Trades Albi where you get to change classes and stuff. Uh, I haven't gotten to any of that really meaty stuff yet. No, 14, 14 hours is still too early. You probably won't hit it until about 20 hours. So heaven forbid how long that would take you on the PlayStation version with all of its extra long intro dungeons and everything else. Uh, so shoot. But it's super cute. I you know, it's, I'm enjoying it. But it, it definitely is a slow burden. On some nights where I only have an hour uh, to play, I, I I usually reach for something else because uh, I feel like with Dragon Quest Seven, even on the DS with the with the quality of life improvements, I feel like I wouldn't really make up a whole lot of ground in in just an hour. But uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I won't dive into too much and take too much time talking about those. I will tell you about today's sponsor because to today's RPG backtrack is brought to you by Cold Step Revolt. And I hear some of y'all going, what the hell is Coltcept? And I can't even remember if I ever talked about it on this show, Mike. Do you ever remember we talked about Coltcept? I think you've mentioned it, but I don't... We have definitely not done a full show on it, and I don't think it's ever been more than a sidebar. Yeah, so just to catch... Just to catch those of you up who've never heard me talk about Coltcept, if you have, my apologies. Fast forward a couple of minutes. What can I tell you? Uh, we're almost at the end of the show anyways. But... Um, uh, the 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 uh, Cold Sep, Cold Sep, uh, the originally came out from my understanding on the PlayStation Two uh, here in North America, and, and and essentially it's a combination of Magic the Gathering meets Monopoly. That's what it is. When when it's your turn, you roll a dice, you go around and you land on squares, and you can buy those squares. But the way you buy those squares. Uh, unlike Monopoly, is you've got usually a few cards in your hand. Some of those are monster cards, just like Magic the Gathering. By putting a monster down and spending the money to play the monster, the monster guards that land. That land now belongs to you. If the element of the monster matches the element of the land, think colors here from Monopoly, then he gets an additional hit points while he's guarding that land, which this is important. Because when an enemy lands on your land, they normally, like Monopoly, they have to pay rent unless they can defeat your monster. And if they defeat your monster, not only do they get out of paying rent, but they also, they actually, you know, they just killed off your monster who's guarding it. So now it's their land. And, and this makes this makes this game so much more exciting uh, because you do have that element of Magic the Gathering, planning out your deck, collecting cards and making a better deck. And then when you're playing against other people, there's a little bit of poker in there. Because as you're starting up a battle and the the, the, the announcer will go, you know, you're playing a goblin versus a bat. And they'll say, goblin versus bat. And you'll see the pictures and the stats. And the guy defending might be thinking to himself, well, clearly my monster is going to be able to defend and hold this land. And if the, as long as this monster survives, you're paying red. But the funny thing is, is like you can use, you might have a card in your hand, like a weapon or a spell that increases your monster's attack power. Surprise, surprise. And, and that can take the other guy off guard. Uh, if he knows you have that card, if like you're in the same room and everything's up on the same screen and it flashes the cards, he still doesn't know whether or not you're actually going to use it or not. And so you get into some mind games of whether or not I'm going to use... Because those cards are, are rare and precious commodities. 
and so which 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 battles are you going to fight? You know, picking and choosing your battles and psyching out your opponent, or trying to guess whether or not they're going to use an attack item. So whether or not you should burn a defense item on the defense is is super super fun. In regular Monopoly, I'm really not a big fan of regular Monopoly because once somebody locks up the the uh, you know range of colors, especially the higher end like Boardwalk and Park Place, the game's pretty much over. It's just a matter of time before you land on it and and you're going to go bankrupt and the such. And and those kinds of games aren't super fun and exciting. But with Cultcept, even if someone locks up a bunch of high end squares. You have a chance to turn it around if your deck is good enough and you've kept your cards kind of close to your vest and you haven't used all your big whammy cards, uh, you know, and the such. Another thing that's super funny is in Monopoly, if you do have those big squares, you just kind of hope they run into those squares and have to pay rent. Well, it, because Colcept has spell cards, some of those spell cards uh, make are, uh, when you play them... Force make people onto certain squares? That's right. They force you to only move one or three or six squares. You can use that on yourself to get to a certain square you want to get to to buy it. You can use it on your opponent to force them onto your square. Again, that could backfire, though, if they have the right cards to defeat your monster. But if you if you just saw them blow some of their attack cards on another one of your squares, you, you know, you could certainly use that to your that knowledge to your advantage and hope that they didn't have an extra attack card. Because you can only hold five or six cards at a time. So it's not like you can sit there and just pile up a bunch of attack cards. Um, cards are very limited in, in precious commodities. So... Uh, it is super cool in the game and and because it's a video game version of it it can be a little bit new, more nuanced and complicated with the rule sets it's constantly easily keeping track of your total value a lot of times the win condition is simply get up to 7000 gold in value and then cross the finish line uh you know and the such um there's also cool things you can do like when you pass up uh when you pass up a square you can upgrade it like you can a monopoly so that it charges more rent, and by the way, when you upgrade it, it gives your creature more hit points if he's the same element. So there's a lot of good points to upgrading. But you can do things such as, let's say you pass up a square with your monster in it, and it was next to an enemy square. Well, you can command that monster after you passed him up to move on the enemy monster and attack it without risking the rent paying. There's so many strategies and layers, and the tutorial uh, part of Cold Scepter, Cold Scepter Revolt do take some time. But that it is because it's deep and there's a couple of moving pieces and it wants to spoon feed you so you don't miss anything. Um, so I really loved Cultcept on the PlayStation 2. I had friends that would come over and play it. It's, it, was a, it was a club game. And it's a slow burn like Monopoly can be. Uh, but it was just so much dangnabbit fun that, that, we were, that we just had a really great time. And I love the single player campaign. I, I, I often express that. You know, I have a lot of friends who play Hearthstone. Uh, you know, and, and I don't take anything away from people who like that. But I just felt like games like Colsep did it, did the whole card collecting single player experience a lot better. I mean, not that Hearthstone's a single player experience by any stretch, but they did. But I like Colsep because you it had a campaign. As you work through the campaign, you would win cards, and you could do random battles with the computer and win more cards. You didn't have to wait to earn up gold or do these quests. Of course, Hearthstone's microtransaction driven, and Colsep isn't. Uh, but uh, it was just really cool to just sit down, play it, knock out a game before bed, or invite some friends over and win some more cards and build up your deck and then use them in the future. So uh, just a ton of fun. So then they came out with Cultcept Saga for the Xbox. I think the original Xbox or the Xbox 360, I don't remember. But I did. I was but never you never been, got that. No, nope. And I was very tempted because I love Cultcept so much. 
there wasn't a whole lot on the Xbox I really wanted to get into, so I passed. Uh, so imagine my surprise when a few months ago I saw that they were created, that they were going to come out with a new cold sub game for the Nintendo 3DS. I thought the franchise, which sure franchise it was, w- was forgotten. And boy, was that was that a big surprise. So I tried to explain this game to a couple of games to try to get them excited. And it, 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 just listening to me talk about it just was hard for them to coalesce in their mind. It's something that you can get if you play it or see it for yourself or something along those lines. So I created, if you don't know, I do have a, a, a YouTube series out there. I have not updated in a long time because I've been super, super busy. But I was doing my top 100 PC games. Uh, I think the first 10 or 15 are still up there. You can go and check those out. It's called The Gamer's Experience. If you put that in with the word JC Serve, it usually pulls right up. But I went ahead and created like a, a side shoot of The Gamer's Experience because The Gamer's Experience was focused on my top 100 PC games. So I, I made one just for uh, console games. So it's called Episode C01 instead of just Episode 1, but the C for console. And I did Coldcept. Uh, so you can see a 50-minute video of me playing Cold Set for you, explaining it. If it's a little bit on the slow side you, on YouTube, you can go into the little setting there on the video and make it 1.25 or 1.5 for it to go a little bit faster. Uh, but but play that while you're you know playing Dragon Quest Seven on your DS, and it's 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 probably like nothing you've ever played before if you've never played Cold Set. It's like peanut butter and jelly. When you merge Monopoly with Magic the Gathering done right. It's like peanut butter and jelly. So I just got the game today in the mail from Amazon, Colcept Revolt, popped it in my 3DS. And while you guys were talking, I also played between doing the budget uh, for my for my my job. And uh, there's a lot. There's a there is a time consuming tutorial. And now I'm kind of in the first quote unquote real battle. But it's everything I remember from the PlayStation 2. It's pretty cool because the graphics are a bit different, but a lot of the old sound effects are still there. So for those of you who played the old one, it's kind of reminiscent. But it's got the full 3D graphics, so seeing the game board in 3D is pretty cool. You can turn on the 3D. It is 3D enabled. They didn't cut corners there. Uh, but it, it is, it's pretty much got the same card. It's got a couple of new cards already that I've you've been like, oh, wait, those those are new. So I haven't played it long enough, though, to see if they've really later on added some new different advanced mechanics. The basic game, though, so far is still exactly the same. And I just can't encourage people enough to go and check it out if you've never played Cult Set before. I just can't recommend it enough. It's just you're not going to find anything else, you know, like it that does such a great job of blending a board game like Mon- a well-known board game like Monopoly with a well-known card game like Magic the Gathering. It's it's just a lot of fun. So there well, you go. I That's can't my sales pitch. That I, will, I can't guarantee that I will play it anytime soon. I'm I have this little thing that I'm supposed to review. There you go. But I can, but I can buy it. Yeah, yeah, and that uh, definitely added to the the backlog and and pop it in if you need a break from dungeon crawling. Uh, play an hour here or there, knock out a board here and there. It is kind of there is a there is a a story mode to Cold Sep. That single player experience takes you through a story. The PlayStation Two story super forgettable, but it's kind of cool because just as far as like going through the different boards, it's the gameplay that addicts you. It's certainly not the story. Uh, so far in the 3DS, only putting a couple of hours in, I get the feeling that the story there's more story than before. Uh, there's more talking going on. I get the feeling I don't give a care. I just get the feeling like this is just he's got amnesia. He's a hero. He doesn't know why he's here. Uh, who cares? It's another stupid JRPG amnesia? stereotypical. I know, right? I mean, who would have thought? 
I mean, they didn't even try to come up with an original idea. I think the only original thing is that the guild is called the Flying Bats or the Free Bats. The Free Bats, I think it's called. Okay, at least the name's a little original. But everything else, the typical cliche JRPG characters in the guild and da-da-da-da-da, and your hero, you don't even get to customize them. I can already see people bashing it for all of these things. Nobody who likes Coltsep gives a flying farfanugan about the story or the characters in the single-player mode. Yeah, sure, it would have been nice if they came with something original, but who cares? If if they've taken the PlayStation 2 Cold Set game and they've made some tweaks to the mechanics or added some new cards, I'm telling you, I'm going to be happy as a pig at mud. It's just it's just a super fantastic game. Uh, and it does have a core... I was, I was twi- tweeting with Mr. Um, Apps, and uh, he's like, oh, we got to play... We got to play online together. So apparently, it does have some connectivity, multiplayer, uh, and the such. So I'll have to give that a shot. But but I played the PlayStation do, Two game. Do you have his friend code? Yeah, I know, right? I'll have to get his friend code and everything else. I might. I, I haven't really looked at that a whole lot. Uh, Play, PlayStation does that whole friend thing so much better on the Vita and stuff. But uh, but but yeah. Ew. Are you saying that Nintendo's online methodology? might not be the best possible vita does what nintendo don't and i tell you i just every time i think about getting us every time i'm feeling a little too to get a switch like i saw that uh i saw some of the the videos about the um the octopath traveler it looks like a really cool retro style rpg uh you know and the such i just remind myself about the complaints about their online store still not getting it right. Or I remember on my 3DS what I had to do to get my games from one 3DS to the other because their system is so archaic, and that's putting it nicely. It's I don't think archaic is necessarily the right word because I don't uh, remember a whole lot of other companies using this even 15 years ago. It's more just deliberately obtuse. Yeah, there you go. That's a better. That's definitely a better descriptor. Yeah, no, absolutely obtuse and just stupid and tied tied to the console and stuff. I'm always worried about my Wii blowing up one day, just because I know I've got games on there uh, that I downloaded from the store that I have no idea, you know, if I can re-download them. Unlike any other system, like the PlayStation. If my PlayStation blows up, and I had my PlayStation Three blow up, I had to go out and get a new PlayStation Three. I signed you, back you don't in with, have the, the backward compatible one anymore? No. Super sad face. The good news is, I mean, that's, I, I, I don't know, if, I guess I never told that story. Yeah, I mean, Betsy died finally. My backwards compatible that I was so proud of, the big PS3 fat, plugged it, you know, went to play some, I was playing actually Persona Arena, and uh, I'd gotten like two-thirds of the way through, and the thing just completely died, and nothing I could do to make it make it work again. And so, yeah, I had to go and find a new PS3. Uh, unfortunately, did not think to save my saves up into the cloud, so I had to start over again. But as far as downloading my PSN games, yeah, you just log in, you go to your download history. It's a little on the obtuse side because you have to like find your download history. That's a little that was a little rough. They don't make it easy-ish, but at least it's all there underneath your sign-on. But with the 3DS or I don't even know what you do with the Wii. But yeah, they just they don't tie everything under one unified sign on necessarily. It's more tied to your hardware. Um, they've gotten better a little bit on the 3DS, especially. But 
it's still a pain in the ass. It shouldn't be this difficult. It just should be you have a login and a password, and you can download it to the machine. I know Sony restricts your machines. Like, I've downloaded on my PSP too many times one of the games, and it's like, eh, you've used up your licenses. So I had to go online and deactivate old machines. Um, and, and you can do that, like, once every six months. Very similar to Apple's whole copyright protection scheme. Um uh, it's not, you know, like I would say in the in the grand scheme of things, like GOG, love GOG. The way they handle games, I've talked about GOG plenty of times on the show, but the way you can download and put them anywhere, that's the easiest scheme ever. Uh, that DRM free is the way to go. Steam is the next step up. Steam is obviously DRM, but it's so easy to sign in on any computer. The restrictions are pretty light. I can even loan my games virtually to any of my family members, and they can play the games that I've paid for. So my hat's off to Steam uh you know they 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 managed to find that i think that happy medium ground between publishers wanting copy protection and being able to give people like us the flexibility to share our games and and, and be flexible installment is pretty much on any, i've never had a warning from steam that i've installed it, uh, my game on two machines and i install certain games on every laptop i own um, maybe that's why there's so little ubisoft and electronic oh, arts yeah. stuff on steam <laughs> oh yeah no 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 because yeah if you buy a steam uh, uh, yeah, Ubisoft, as you know, you still end up installing the Ubi client. That's a pain in the ass. Um, and then the step up from that would be the next step in difficulty and pain in the assery would be the PlayStation Network because just because it is a bit more restricted in how many machines you can tie it to and they're re-downloading the old files is a bit harder than Steam. And then, But the ultimate way out there in left field, all by its lo- actually it's out there with Ubisoft, I swear. I hate Ubisoft freaking client, is, is freaking nintendo because Nintendo don't allow you to to easily download your games and apparently, uh, you know, let you stream them on YouTube or anything unless you want to get slapped with copyright notices and the such. So, yeah. Phil, haven't you learned yet just how valuable that footage of Peach noodling around in Smash Brothers is? But if you don't, if you don't know, Nintendo will remind you the minute you post it on YouTube. So, go figure that one. Copyright strikes for everybody. But, uh, hey, we've kind of gotten off the tracks, but... Um, just a little, yes. <laughs> just, just a little. But, yeah, definitely check out Coldcept, uh, Coldcept Revolt. Grab that on Amazon while I still have copies. Support them. Uh, one interesting thing I found out uh, in watching a video about uh, the new Metroid, and it talked about there was... Concern, obviously, there's concern out there about whether or not... P, you know, the new Metroid is a 2D... Goes back to the classic roots uh, of 2D Metroidvania that we kind of grew up and fell in love with to begin with. Unlike the newer ones, like the Metroid Prime games, which are more 3D. And I, I think most people are instantly reminded of Other M. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's true. Isn't Other M kind of like a, a compromise between the two? Like it was 2.5D or something? I think its gameplay was kind of like that. I remember people just getting in sense that there was so much of a narrative in Metroid and it didn't feel uh, like Metroid did at all. It, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, did it? You're, no, you're absolutely right. The one uh, from, uh, what's his face? Tomonomo Itagaki, the guy mm-hmm. who does who did the Ninja Gaiden stuff. Oh, and Dead Alive, which is known for its narrative. <laughs> so I was watching the, the this, 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 this YouTube video about a guy talking about, you know, yeah, you know different ways to support uh, you know, if you're if you're behind a game, if you're behind a retro remake or something like that, I mean, you know, a lot of the a lot of the tactical RPGs, especially, uh, you know, for a while we didn't get any good. I won't say any, but the, but the but the but the flow of good tactical RPGs and strategy RPGs were down to a crawl five or seven years ago. 
Uh, and it wasn't until Kickstarter came into play and we could show our support that games like, you know, Divinity Original Sin and uh, Wasteland 2 and uh, and the such really started to, to, to take off. And, and woohoo, that's awesome. On a PC, we started to see a resurgence of, of some of those retro style, like the dungeon crawlers and stuff like that. On the, on the consoles... Uh, even on the handheld side, you know, you, you just, it was a little bit of a different ball game. Thankfully, Etrian Odyssey, right? But, uh, tactical RPGs are a little bit tougher to come through. But Metroid, Metroid games, you know, you talk about a drought. Uh, you, aside from the indie developers, of course, making games like Cave Story, they were kind of picking up some of that slack. But having good, well, uh, well developed or high quality, what we were just talking about before, the, the high production values type of Metroidvania games, you haven't seen one of those in like forever. And so Nintendo's kind of yeah, taking a risk. There hasn't been a Castlevania Metroidvania uh-huh. since uh, Order of Ecclesia, and that was, I think, eight years ago. Damn gorgeous, you know, damn gorgeous game and a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, you're right. It's eight years ago, and there there really hasn't been a, a whole lot of them, hardly at all. I mean, you're just getting some re-releases, but that's about it of the older Castlevania games. So the question is, how could you support it? this Metroid game? This new one for the 3DS is made pretty darn well most people loving it critics loving it really is a callback to those old days but how can you really support it knowing that you know it may not bring out enough people one of the interesting points that he made of course you can do social media whatever have you and of course you know like i think okay i'm gonna support the game i'm gonna go buy it off of amazon okay i bought a copy i supported it right i may not get to it today but i bought a copy but he's like you know actually one of the best ways you if you're gonna buy it actually the best way you can support it is buy a digital which I don't normally gravitate towards. If there's a physical copy on the 3DS, I'm going to get the physical copy. But he was like, but, you know, when you think about it, you know, the company like Nintendo or whatever have you, they get to keep all that money. If you buy it from Amazon, there's the middleman and da-da-da-da-da. So nothing – at the end of the day, they're a business there to make a profit, and they're just going to look at the total profits for the product. So if you buy – you're going to spend 40 bucks either way uh, or 30 bucks or whatever it may be. Consider spending that in the eShop. And I was like, huh. You know that that's not the, the 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 worst idea in the world. If you really want to show, I'm going to spend the forty bucks either way, uh, and the such. So, food for thought. If you're looking to support um, a particular type of game like that or anything else, like Colcept Revolt, I feel like that's something I want to make sure I support because I want them to know that I do like you know games that make me think it's almost like a, a strategy RPG. But let's be honest, the story is really <laughs> just. I I don't think uh, I don't wait, think our website wait, would let cover me it. See. I see a Cold Scepter Vault limited edition, Phil. Did you get Ooh, that? No, I don't. Well, what does it say on the front of the box here? I got it right here. No, I think I just got the... No, I didn't think I ponied up for the... Yeah, the I, limited edition picture on Amazon is making sure that it comes with... Uh, well, I have, I have to look more closely. What is what is all this goodie package that you get with the limited edition? You appear to get a soundtrack CD. You get... Ooh, you get a what looks like an art book, or maybe it's a manual. If the picture would load i could tell <laughs> and uh i i can't tell what that is but yeah hardcover well, art book been uh, kind of laying off of the collector's things because i already got enough books and soundtracks and to to last me so those things don't really really tempt me uh, aside from like saying okay maybe that will help support them but apparently electronic versions kind of a way to go yeah my only concern at the moment is that i want to in case Mac asks me to download something gigantic on my 3DS, I want to get a physical version so that I don't have to clear up tons I, of memory. I, I will say, well, and I did on the 3DS, I needed to, I swear there's a way to do it on my PlayStation, but on a 3DS, I did upgrade the memory, which you have to, 
I will say that was a precarious operation because you have to unscrew the bottom cover. There's videos to show you how to do it, but it is if because the 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 I, mean, I have the new 3ds XL and it's a little flimsy. Like when you start taking it apart and you're putting it back together, and I was so afraid I was going to break some little tiny you know piece of plastic that was ho- kind of holding it all together. So I had to be very <laughs> careful. But people do it all the time. Just be careful. Uh, but the memory card's super cheap because unlike the Vita, it doesn't require proprietary memory. So upgrading no, your just, 3DS... just an SD card. Yep, upgrading your 3DS memory, best thing you'll ever do. And you don't have to worry about that whole swapping space thing too much. Uh, unlike my Vita, where I did actually pay for the very expensive memory card, and I still end up swapping just because those games are so memory intensive uh, with their high-end graphics and the such. Um, I need to figure out my place. I hate that on the PlayStation, by the way. The PlayStation 4... So PlayStation 3, generally speaking, you know, some games will ask if you want to install, but most games run off the disc. And so I play games off the disc all the time. No big whoop. Uh, it's not like the hard drive on the PlayStation 3 is so much faster than the disc. Uh, they're both kind of slow because it's a standard hard drive. It's not a flash drive or anything. PlayStation 4, every game auto-installs into your hard drive. It will not play unless the game installs. Mm. Uh, not a big deal until you keep run out of memory every time you get a new game and you pop it in and it's like ah we'd like to let you play this game but you're out of memory because it's got like a 500 gig hard drive but dang never that goes faster than the playstation 4 um so i know on the playstation 3 upgraded uh well on the original fat the fat only came with like 60 gigs or something like that i upgraded that with a laptop hard drive way back in the day so i guess on the the 4 there's got to be a way to do that too but oh well we digress but anyways Thank you all for listening. We love the fact that you all listen. Uh, and we'll remind you that RPG Backtrack is a production of RPGamer.com, your source for news, reviews, and home to the best gaming community on that. That would be you guys who are listening right now. If you've survived through this podcast, which is probably getting close to three hours, uh, you deserve a medal. It may have even passed three hours. Who knows? Uh, hey, go check out our website. As I mentioned before, tons of really great news reviews by people who love role-playing games. We do not get paid to do this this is a website's full of volunteers yes there are banners that just helps to support the site but the reviewers themselves do it for the passion of the the hobby so sadly you know, on the internet you're just generally not allowed to put things up there without somebody asking for money to keep it up yeah so go and check it out and 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 let us know what you think head over to our forums you can leave messages about this show we always have a thread up on the latest show we'd love to hear from you check out our sister podcast the rpg cast and the active topical banner as well as the q a quest that's on the left hand side of course you can find those on itunes uh as well as your favorite podcast locator so go and check it out and uh i think that's about it got anything to put us to bed with i realized that we forgot to talk about magic school entirely but you know we'll probably survive because it's not an experience that leaps to the top of my mind the way both of the other games did. So, good night. <laughs>